I'm James Hayes and you're very welcome to the very first episode of the Sideline Cut podcast. We are coming to you from the heartlands of Monster Rugby on the banks of the River Shannon at our studios here in Limerick City. Two Tipperary men and a Corkman might not seem like the ideal combination to bring you news and views from around the sporting board and we will try our best not to fall out while doing it. I'm here with Corkman Joe Kiley, devout Liverpool fan who formerly had trials with Goulds Cross FC in Division 4 of the Tipperary Southern and District League before settling down to a mediocre life of five-a-side midweek football. Dylan Reid is also here, a nippy corner forward back in the day. Dylan is riding high on the performances of his Bursa League clubmates in winning the Munster Club Hurling Championship and Tipperary winning the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship this year. Today's podcast is a review of the sporting year that was 2019. Lads, what a year. Unreal year, yeah. Unreal for some, I suppose. Dylan, we'll go with you first. How's all in Boris? Uh, all still alive. Uh, celebrations, I suppose, have died down a small bit now. I don't believe you. Uh, neither <laughs> do I. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. How are Boris men going to stay sober for Christmas, knowing that they've got an All-Ireland semi-final on the 4th of January? It's the known, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> sober. You know what I mean. You know uh, what I mean. Like, I suppose if you're out and maybe you might have the first point and the second point, but then you're known, you're thinking, uh, I have I have a big game ahead of me. I think I think it's the known that will stop them, to be honest with you. Maybe they shouldn't have the first and second point. I sure didn't kill him before. I won't kill him now. <laughs> I got him this far, you could say. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Joe, as a Liverpool fan? Oh, definitely the best year I can remember to be a Liverpool fan. I mean, obviously, growing up. It was obviously United and Chelsea winning leagues and dominating and Liverpool being mediocre a lot of years. Um, but yeah, unbelievable year to be a Liverpool fan. Champions League, Super Cup, Club World Cup, unbeaten since January. So Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of... happy days. I've kind of got the best of both your worlds. Like I'm not a Borsali man, but I am a tip man. And I'm, you know, I'm not a Cork man, but I'm a Liverpool fan. So like I've had, I've had a good year. I've had a good yeah, year. I'd it's imagine been, you have. It's been a lot to celebrate, you know. We even got to go to a couple of like, games there, didn't you? A couple yeah, of good ones. Yeah, we, we'll talk about that further mm. down. But, like, as a Liverpool fan, right, this is my 30th year supporting Liverpool. They've literally exactly. never won the league as long as I've known what football is. Yeah, and I'm 10 years behind you. So. <laughs> Do you know? Jesus, God love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, a United fan here, Dylan, is... Uh, yeah, keep him quiet. Yeah, keep him very quiet. <laughs> That's very okay, quiet. We'll, we'll remind him. Very regularly. I suppose no better place to start football. Um, yeah. Do you want to start with Liverpool? Or do you want to start with City? I think I think you have to start with City as much. I try to keep a neutral hat on as much as I can. What, what, um, what is it? What is it? United fans are calling the treble that City did in two thousand nineteen. The fake treble is it? Not a real one, anyway. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'm sure United fans would be like that. They seem to ignore the one in nineteen eighty four that Liverpool did as well, fifteen years before them, but. Not to, be, not to be a bitter <laughs> yeah. about it. To be but, fair, um, to be fair to City, they are the first English men's team to do it. The domestic treble. They would be, yeah. That's correct. Oh. Um, but yeah, I mean, 98 points in the league on the back of 100 points the previous season. Yeah. Uh, Those are the two best seasons anyone has put down in the league in English football. Liverpool put in the third best season ever and came second. Yeah. Incredible year. Incre- incredible couple of years for City. But Remarkable. Like, You've seen them tail off a little bit this season, but that was to be expected. You can't maintain those standards. They were superhuman. 100 points. Yeah, but so far this season, I mean, we're only halfway through a season. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be their defence that's causing them all the trouble, but like over the last two years when they've had 100 points and 98 points, Vincent Company, the man who's left and left a, a big hole in that defence, didn't play for the majority of those two seasons due to injury. So, like, so what's the issue? 
Well, losing Laporte. I mean, when they signed him, he was one of the, yeah. probably second to Van Dijk in terms of best centre backs in the Premier League. So, him being out long term has really messed with their, especially. It's ruined their defence even more because dropping Fernandinho back into centre half is losing their best holding midfielder. Rodri is a very good player, mm. but Fernandinho just shields that back four like not many other players can. We've seen Fabinho do it for Liverpool the last couple of years. Other than that, we haven't really seen. Yeah, I think, I think a proper holding midfielder in the Premier League since maybe Matic when he was at his peak at, at Chelsea. At Chelsea before he left for United. Um, I think I think it just proves that no team can escape without injuries and without injuries affecting like what they no, are. No, and you have to, especially at that level, like with Man City winning the treble. Like I know they had they had some fairly soft draws in those cups, but you still have it's the volume of games that they're mm. playing, and they made what the quarterfinal Champions League. Before they got knocked out to Spurs. Yeah. So they must have played 55, 60 games last year. So you're going to have injuries. Liverpool are obviously suffering from it this year. We've seen a little bit. quite a few niggly injuries. Like even seems, seems to be a distinct lack of centre-halves. With good centre-halves yeah, around. There's a, yeah, there's an awful shortage of them. There's a lot of average centre-halves floating around. Mm. I mean, you look at, I mean, look at Chelsea starting 11 now. Like yeah. You're looking at their centre-backs are Kurt Zuma, Christensen or Timori. Yeah, but that's probably a little bit down to, you know, David Luiz leaves and you can't you can't sign anyone like. Oh agreed, but they had what, thirty eight players alone last year? Yeah. So that gives them and say a roster of nearly sixty players to pick from. And it's probably easier to make excuses for front playing players rather than defensive players because they're in the limelight a lot more. Yeah, any any mistake you make is highlighted. I mean we saw with um David De Gea has made a few mistakes this year, but goalkeepers in particular, obviously, like you make an error, it tends to lead to a goal or a big chance. Yeah, yeah. You like again? Is that is that down to like let's let's talk about United for a minute? I mean, like De Gea didn't make those mistakes for five years. Yeah, and like you, you see him against Watford, he's literally just dropping the ball into the net. Like yeah, and he had the one against Barcelona earlier in the year as well. Oh, it's it's not typical De Gea. It's not typical United. No, they're a shadow of the team they were. I mean, if you look at their team a decade ago, I know, I know. like that front three: Rooney, Ronaldo, Tevez. There's a United fan we all know, and and like he's adamant that Solskjaer has to go. But I a lot know. of fans are. I don't know if Solskjaer is the answer, but I don't know if he's done enough to be sacked. If you're United, and we we will speak about this going forward, I'm sure a mm. lot. But if you're United, do you get rid of Solskjaer while Pochettino is still on the market and wants to go to United? But that's the decision. I mean, they definitely have to. They need to decide on a direction. The issue I have with Solskjaer is if he didn't play for United, there's no way he'd have that job. True. You look at his managerial CV, it's mm. got Cardiff City and Mould. Yeah. Now, he won the league in Norway, but like, it's a Norwegian league. <laughs> it's a big step. A lot of due respect, a lot of managers have won the Norwegian league and we couldn't name them. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big step up from, from that. When too. you see the likes of, like Lampard did a brilliant job last year with, with Derby. Yeah. And that's why he got the Chelsea job. But like, I don't think Solskjaer has anything behind him. Yeah. It, it's it's hard to know. I mean, you're talking about the so-called biggest club in the world, and let's let's be honest, United probably are. Oh, definitely, like from a commercial point of view, anyway. One hundred percent commercially, like, you still need, up there. You need to have you know a, a big, a lot of charisma. You know, you need to you need to be a guy that knows what you're doing to be able to put up with all that. And even Mourinho, who's you know, say that's the thing they they tried that with Mourinho. Yeah, and Mourinho couldn't do it. They need to pick a direction if they want. I mean, they had. As much as I didn't really like the style of football that Mourinho plays or that Van Hal played, it was consistent and it was a direction they were going. Mm. Like I don't, you can't decide what kind of football United want to play now. 
They kind of want to play on the counter-attack, but I feel like they stumbled across that because they have pace out wide and up front. What was the stat I read earlier? It was like they've played 12 games this season where they've had over 50% possession and had one win. That's it. They seem to be doing a lot of what Liverpool were doing seven, eight years ago, which was beating the big teams Mm. because I guess it's obviously easier to play when someone comes out and they're more expensive against you. You have pace out wide with the likes of Martial and Daniel James, who's been brilliant for them, actually. Um, but when teams the likes of your Norwich's Sheffield United would actually be unfair to say to them because they've been outstanding mm. but the, the lower teams will come yeah. back and they'll just set up their two banks of four and trying to break them down is tough what did this I guess next question is going to be and this applies to every team is when do you replace a starter who's been a starter and is known as a starter with youth now I know Rashford is a young guy mm. but Mason Greenwood for me so far this season has been a better option for United he's he's getting his chance but he's not getting enough of a chance like to me yesterday Rashford was absolutely terrible and Greenwood should have been given an opportunity maybe earlier to come on and, and have a go Lingard I don't even like, like we said about you in trials for Goulds Cross I wouldn't play him for Goulds Cross <laughs> FC like he's, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know what he offers um, yeah like, you know, and, and it's like a strange one because he's he remember last year and the year before like there was always flashes of quality remember he got a great goal at um, was it away at Everton um, he curled one into the top right corner lovely goal played a lovely 1-2 caught inside whipped it into the top corner he looked like a real good player he was getting in the England squad and I think he has was it one goal in 2019 yeah I don't know like he's been outscored by Chris Smalling this year would, which is <laughs> you, you always you always go back to it would Lingard have gotten any of those league winning teams not even close so, so that's that's what you got to work on and it's like no if he not. was if he was in that United squad of say anywhere from realistically anywhere from 1992 to 2010 like he probably gets loaned out a couple of times at least 21, 22 and then sold off to an Everton we've seen him sell a lot of players to well, somewhere like that the mid-table me, team and he'd be fine the likes of Aston Villa but then to me it's United settling for mediocrity when they need to be aiming higher you know so yeah and it's a strange one because you know as, as a Liverpool fan sorry to put it across you but as a Liverpool fan I'm delighted with it oh this is one of the best <laughs> this is the best year I can remember watching football I love it oh, getting God. updates on United games they're going one nil down they're making mistakes they have De Gea making blunders it's amazing I love it but like United have no excuse for settling for mediocre players. Financial fair play is perfect for United. Yeah. They have the largest revenue stream in the world. They can financially outmuscle pretty much anybody. Like, it just seems to be their transfer policy is horrendous. They want to sign players who are 28, 29, 30 on stupidly high wages. Alexis Sanchez, Falcao. Di Maria. I actually like Di Maria. To be honest, I thought they really jumped the gun on selling him. Quality player. It, I remember at the time I was discussing it with one of my friends and I was saying if Di Maria was playing for United again when they were winning leagues, he was mm. on that Ferguson team, Ferguson would have played him wide left. Van Hal decided, oh, this is my best player, I need to get him in the middle of the pitch. Ferguson would have been like, wide left, beat your man, get the ball in the box. Mm. And he could do that better than most people in the world. Yeah. And yet, he played him as a number 10 for a year and then sold him. Like, where's the have some patience a bit of direction have yeah. a plan and move with it yeah and yet United fans are probably happier they're still doing better than Arsenal who what's, isn't what's Jeez. going on in that uh, again there's no direction at all Ar- and Arsenal fans to be honest if there's any Arsenal fans listening 
how you deal with yourselves. <laughs> like, oh. the, like, they hated Wenger. Yeah. Like, there's no idea why. I mean, Wenger was an outstanding manager and he held that club together for two decades. I don't think they hated Wenger. I think they... They hated, felt his time was up. Yeah, they hated what Arsenal had become in the latter years under Wenger and it was like, obviously, it's your fault to get out. Yeah, but there's just absolutely no appreciation of what he did. There was no patience with... Emery when he came in but Emery wasn't great but it's just a complete lack of direction I have to say one of my favourite football moments of 2019 is like the Wenger in flag yes brilliant two games in Freddie Youngberg's you know like that, oh, that just, year for Arsenal fans <laughs> that just points out what Arsenal is about at the moment just a quick apology to any Arsenal fans listening <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I'm going to consistently abuse you uh, I think we're do on. you think uh, Arteta will make a difference or I don't know. I like him. I like him. I feel like he's obviously learned a lot from Guardiola, so he's going to try and play nice football. He's going to have an idea of how he wants to play, but he also has to deal with you know the board of directors at Arsenal, who they've proven to be less than fully competent. Let's say he needs money. Like Arteta yeah. cannot do anything with the club with the players he has right now. I mean, you've got probably like the assist machine, Ozil, that like. Is just disappeared into again mediocrity. Like yeah, well, that seemed to be the thing with Emery. He was signing players, and like he, he seemed to just get players and think, how will I get them in the team, rather than setting up his team and thinking, what do I need? Yeah, yeah. Klopp is a great example of that. The way he set up his team, he had his formation, he knew what he needed. Like pacey wingers was the primary objective. Mm-hmm. Mane and Salah come in. You don't have to say any more. But then, like Emery had Pepe. Aubameyang Lacazette and Ozil I can't really see how you're going to get them into the one team unless you're going to try 4-2-3-1 or something but you're putting Aubameyang or Lacazette wide then but Arteta's going to be the third coach to try and do it so that's it (laughs) or do you sell one do you just pick a formation and move forward with the players that yeah January's going to be interesting especially like with Mourinho after taking over at Sporting yeah that's going to be fun like Ancelotti coming in at Everton uh, yeah Chelsea transfer by lifting Arteta Chelsea Solskjaer needs to sign a couple um, do Liverpool need a centre half well, possibly short term you know so like a lot going on I suppose perfect time to, to speak about the year that was for for Liverpool I mean like amazing amazing we've seen Klopp is there since what 2015 and just there's just been steady progression all the way along like immediately Europa League final made it to the Champions League then Without, Two Champions League finals. without using the cliche that Liverpool fans are using since I was born like this is going to be our year do you believe it is I I, 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 I don't know I, I, I'm afraid I'll be honest I've been here before <laughs> and I'm afraid to get my hopes up because well, it's, hard, it's hard to see past you at this stage I know but I've been I remember obviously the, the year we came second under Rafa and we were we were a better team than United that year but United kind of showed they had that extra experience. They could grind out those results. United knew how to win. Exactly. Liverpool went, I think it was up to Middlesbrough and lost 2-0. But like that, we had a starting eleven that was the best of the country. Yeah. But I remember we had a couple of injuries. I think Benayoun and Riera were out. And Nabil El Zahar had to play. God, you got to see Benny useless. Oh, I loved Yossi. <laughs> Nabil El Zahar had to play. But you're seeing with Liverpool now, there's a squad. They can get the those wins. Time. They're grinding and out those wins. Thing. Well, that's, that's Under Brendan Rodgers, it was Suarez and Sturridge and it was that was amazing football to watch it was so entertaining we're 6-3 down at Cardiff when we spoke, of this, uh, spoke about this over the last couple of days Liverpool are playing like those United teams did they're, they're not playing the best of football 
but they're winning games. That's it. Liverpool haven't played great this year. I think the worst performance I've seen them put in was uh, the Watford game. Now Watford subsequently go on and beat United, and you know, like, does that is that a Watford thing or a United thing? Who knows? But like, Liverpool were terrible against Watford. Like they were World, World Club Cup Monterey. Now again, it's Qatar. It's different weather. You're playing a Mexican team and a Brazilian team. Yeah, different styles like, of football. They're and probably better better used to that heat, but they weren't great in a World Club Cup. Yeah, very disjointed. That's mm. what I look at. But at the same time, like you say, it seems like even when it gets to the last five ten minutes with Liverpool, and it is like United of fifteen years ago, when they need to go in the last five ten minutes, you're it's, to get it's almost when yeah. rather than if. Yeah. It's you're just not even that concerned about it. Mm. I remember it was the Aston Villa away game, and Liverpool were one nil down, with like eighty six seven minutes on the clock, and like what two a two one last minute header from Mane, who was five foot six. Yeah, it's. But you you weren't surprised. That was the thing, and it was the same. Like I say, with United or Chelsea, weren't so great for late goals. They tend to just they tended to bully teams when they were winning the league. It possibly if Liverpool are to win the league that Aston Villa game City were 1-0 down to someone that same day took the lead to go 2-1 up while Liverpool were still 1-0 down and probably thought right this is this is game on and Liverpool come back and score those two goals that's yeah. it and that's demoralising for them because you know. I remember it happened last year and this is going to come up obviously when we start mentioning uh, some of the highlights of the year was the Man City against Leicester game I think it was the second last game of the season last year and like Vincent Company from 400 yards out just yeah. he tries that a million times it doesn't go in but like that clinched the league yeah if that, if that hits the crossbar we're sitting here talking about Liverpool doing the double last year yeah and it's probably it's probably goal of the season uh, oh yeah it would probably be goal it's of not, the season it's not my favourite and again we'll talk about no, it oh no it hurts it, me to watch yeah, it causes me physical pain it, what, what a strike from the centre <sighs> amazing you know he just cut across the ball right in the top corner three goalkeepers weren't stopping that like yeah that was just heartbreaking <laughs> As a as a Liverpool fan, and like, I can only imagine probably Klopp is sitting there watching this, going, "Yeah, look, let company shoot, no problem." Oh yeah, yeah. And actually, bang! Like we've all played with, like the centre half is coming up, he's thirty yards from goal. You're sitting there, five minutes to go. You're thinking, "Yeah, he can have it from there." <laughs> they even have a pop. That's fine. Yeah. I was just so because it was just like you obviously expected Man City to win, mm. like they were like amazing last year, and then got to, like the last five minutes, you started to get your hopes up. If they drop points, we were winning the league. And then, yeah. amazing strike though. True. What was what was like? Let's talk about that Champions League run to the final. I mean, the final wasn't a, a crack of a game by any means. What was your favorite game in in that? What was the one? I think there's only one, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, three 0 down to Barcelona coming to Anfield, and it was. I mean, no Firmino, no yeah. Salah. Yeah, it's like Shakiri and Origi starting in the front three. Yeah. I mean, Divock Origi. For, lo- for those of you, and none of you know, because it's like obviously our first episode, but I was in the cop for that game. Yeah, I'm still bitter. Um, <laughs> like, and I'm a Liverpool fan for, for 30 years, as, as I said earlier, but I had never been to a game in Anfield. That was your first one? That was my first oh, game in Anfield. Wow. And like, it was, it was one of those things, nobody gave Liverpool a chance, and I kind of went... Like you know when you have a feeling all week, and I went, oh, there's something here. It's like it's a European night. Yeah, it's at Anfield. I don't care that we're three 0 down. I'm going to. It's it's a special night. You're first. You're a Liverpool fan. Are you? You're in the cop for your first game. It's going to be special either which way. And like you're there, and the goals are going in, and and like my favorite, my favorite goal, my favorite moment of the year probably, um, 
Origi's goal from the, the Trent fast corner. Oh. And I'm the, like, whatever way it happened, I'm the first one celebrating in the cop because nobody else has seen the corner, in my area anyway. Nobody else has seen it. And everyone's kind of looking at me. He's going, what's going on? The next thing, everyone. I fall five rows forward. Like, I, didn't, I don't even know where my seat was for the end of the game. It was just incredible. But anyway. Yeah, yeah it would definitely uh, had to be. I mean, once Liverpool won that, you knew they were going to beat Spurs. Yeah. It wasn't going to be an issue. And then the, the final wasn't spectacular by any means. It was Liverpool grounded out and Origi scoring again. Three shots in the Champions League last season, three goals. Two in the semi final, one in the final. Hey, just Origi only scores important well, goals. Well, I think uh, the, the Napoli game at Anfield would probably actually be the one that, if I was to pick out, is the most important. That save from Allison. Was it 91 minutes on the clock? Yeah. That goes in, we're out. It's Europa League. It's a different ball game then, but... Speaking of the Europa League, an All-England final? Yeah, All-English finals in the Europa League and Champions League last season, which was strange after the Spanish dominance we've had for bones of a decade now. Um, Always nice to not see Real Madrid there as well for a change in in the European finals. I'll ask a question, and we'll probably... There's probably a whole other show in this, but Spurs Liverpool, Chelsea Arsenal, yet the best players in the world, or the majority of them, want to stay in Spain. What is the Premiership missing? I think if you look at some of the players that have played in England and left, like the issues they've had, like obviously the weather, Mm. um, a lot of the best players in the world tend to come from South American countries it's their dream to play for Real Madrid Barcelona they grow up that's what they want like that's what? like you or me growing up we want to play for Liverpool like if I was playing anywhere in the world and Liverpool called I'd be there like they're like that with Real Madrid and Barcelona well, apart from global warning, warming what else can change that attitude does it take like the Liverpool's United Chelsea's of this world Spurs even City whatever it is going to be does it take them winning two or three or four Champions Leagues, Champions Leagues in a row for English football to get that much bigger in South America or I don't. I don't think it really. Or will it ever? Can. But also, like these players, they go to Spain. They already speak Spanish. Mm. They can live there more comfortably. The weather is nicer. I think the English press, as well. There's been a lot of issues with that. I remember Suarez in particular had problems with the press. Now, Suarez, Suarez didn't help himself. I know. I know. But that was just an example of someone who's spoken out against the English press. Are a lot more say invasive of yeah, these yeah. stars than they would be out in. I think in Spain. recent years as well, a lot of the top players were Spanish. That, that's it. To play yeah, in and Spain South American as well. Yeah. So they're. Well, let's let's. I'll just ask the Messi Ronaldo question, right? Like Ronaldo's played in England, won the titles, won whatever. He yeah. Won. Messi never did. Why do you think Messi didn't do it? Is he just happy at Barcelona? Was he getting too much happy. money? You know, did he win everything he wanted to win at Barcelona? Like, would a Premiership, like, especially with Pep going, everyone thought Pep's going to go to. Premiership, Messi's going to follow him. No, I don't think so. I think he'll probably. Well, he's he'll not. See he's not his, now. He'll see out his days at Barcelona. No. But um, yeah. like he's been there since he was nine, ten years old. Like he lives there. He grew up there. Mm. Why would you want to leave? Like if you're at Barcelona and you're considered their greatest ever player, you hold pretty much every record for one yeah. of the best clubs in world football. Why would you want to leave that? Like he's adored. True. He's in a place where he's comfortable. I'm sure he's on more than enough money. I don't know his actual wages, but. Is not short of a few quid. Is it down to comfort then? I mean, for me, Ronaldo has challenged himself in every league in the world. Again, I don't think he's the same player Messi is. I think they're different type players, and Messi, different types. Messi would still be 
the top for me better than Ronaldo but he's tra- he's he's played in every league he's won a title in every league you know there's people that argue that makes him a better player because he challenged himself there's, there's definitely points. a valid argument in that but you I think what? that comes from I think Ronaldo going up in Portugal he was never going to stay in the Portuguese league he was going to yeah. outgrow that fast and then once you move once yeah and he's probably like like not, once he went to England again going up in Portugal Real Madrid come knocking you're always going to do that yeah and then I think he's even said now that he, he partially regrets leaving Real Madrid. Right. So I believe that, yeah, I would. But I think if I was a footballer, I'd be staying in, with the same club. But maybe that's because from a GA background, you're one club, one life kind of thing. Do you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think a lot of people would like to. And you don't see it as much in football now, I think, since the likes of Lampard, Gerrard, John Terry. Like, since all of them have retired, that Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes as well, obviously. yeah. yeah. Like you're just not really seeing that anymore. Totti. Totti, yeah, prime example. Like he could have gone anywhere. He could have signed for any team in the world, but he yeah, just yeah. he just loved Roma. Like, and yeah. he's he's a god out there. Yeah, true. Um, speak about Irish football for a, a minute, considering we theoretically still have a chance of qualifying for the Euros next year. Still a um, chance. We live in hope. How would you best describe? the state of Irish football right now? Um, I think we're in a period of transition, but there was a... Like, we were good, say, mid-noughties. We had a lot of players playing fairly high up in the Premier League. You were looking at, like, Robbie Keane, um, Damien Duff, Kilban, like, Shea Given was one of the best keepers in the league. Richard Dunn, even, for his... Even though I think he had most own goals and red cards in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but you know there was a lot of players playing high up in the league, and then we we were missing that for a good six or seven years there. But I think it's starting to come back now. We're seeing the lads at Sheffield United; they're doing pretty well. Seamus Coleman, all right, is probably coming off his peak. Hasn't really been the same since that leg break. But again, he's an experienced head around the place. He's one of the senior ones. You're seeing Shane Long is now fairly experienced. Some good players, good goalkeepers coming up as well. Got Kelleher at Liverpool. Um, the lad at Bournemouth. His name's lost to me right now. Travers. That's the one. Um, Darren Randolph's good keeper. Like, there's a lot more lot promising play- players around. A lot of players. Um, Which is crazy to think when the FAI are saying there's such a lack of money for grassroots that we have so many young, talented players coming through. Yeah, but they, they come through it from England more than anything. Like, they. Like, I remember obviously playing schoolboy soccer. Like, if you weren't gone to England by the time you were 15, 16, you realistically weren't like it's a long route to go through the Irish leagues to play senior football and then move across to England yeah but let's look at it and you know a lot more about this than I do due to like players you know that are in the underage leagues in Ireland and playing underage um, Troy Parrott one of the most sought after teenagers ever to play in the Kennedy Cup like there was coaches come and knock on his parents doors and that was the same for maybe 40 or 50 players around that time that have all come up in Stephen Kenny's underage teams. Yeah. And like you can see the fruits of that. I mean, there was a brilliant result against Italy recently for the 21s. Yeah, 21s um, have been amazing this year. You know, brilliant. Like, I think it's been a huge amount from, like, let's go back to the last three or four managers. But a lot of negativity around negative play going, well, we're not good enough to win games attacking wise. Let's try and defend for a while, play the long ball. Now, that worked back in the Jack Charlton era. It was a complete different era of football. Yeah. So, like, do we envisage a difference when Stephen Kenny comes through to take over from Mick McCarthy 
and starts to bring through some of those players and we actually start playing proper football completely because those on that under 21 side is playing incredible football to watch brilliant and a lot of that under 21 team are still eligible for the under 19s that's it they're Which very, very crazy, young under 21 crazy to think that as well like. you know and like there's a lot of those that have been come up through electricity league teams first off and then gone to teams in the UK, you know. Yeah, there was, yeah, it's great there to was see. an article there that a lot of them were involved in the Kennedy Cup, yeah. mm. and so, it's mad. Like the grassroots has proved, you know, it's come to fruition for Irish football, and the FAI, like you said, are claiming that you know, no, there's not enough money being pumped in. We're not getting enough out of it. Blah blah blah. Oh, no, we've, we've seen some uh, a few issues, particularly this year with the administrative side of the FAI, Maybe which we won't really get into. Yeah, that's that's another that's another show. <laughs> but I, I think I think you're right. When Stephen Kenny takes charge, and you'll see these players come through. I think again, it's like what I was saying earlier. He has that clear idea of how he wants his team to play, and he has the players that he will have already coached. You'll de- he's definitely going to bring in a few of those players fairly. I would say nearly straight away once he gets into the the senior setup, so that they can help implement his ideas. A bit like when you see a manager go to a new club and he'll sign a player from his old club. We've seen Harry Redknapp bring Nico Cranchier everywhere with yeah, him. Really like goes, yeah. Mourinho at Matage, Rogers at Joe Allen. Like just a player who comes in straight away to help implement the ideas. And he's going to do that, bringing the other 21s through. Yeah, I, I think we've spoken about this previously off air. I think it's disappointing to see the likes of Rice, Grealish, like playing underage, growing up for Ireland, and then going to to England to play, I just it's it's one of those things. I think it's just it, it, it irks me a little bit. Like when you could see how good that Irish team could be, and the players that are going to probably play in World Cups and European Championships for England. Yeah, you know, it just. But that's the thing. The head gets turned when there's a chance. I mean, we all know England are going to qualify for ninety percent of tournaments. Yeah. So if they can get in that squad. Yeah, and it's, it's monetary as well. I mean, if you're an English team, it's worth a whole lot more to you than it is to be in an Irish team. Probably. Definitely better for their kind of reputation to be an England international than an it's, Irish it's international. It's a commercial opportunity. Yeah, it's, definitely. But like I think if, if you're an English player, and especially now, look, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Brexit, but if you're an English player with Brexit, like what rules are going to come in with regards to premiership yeah, football? Yeah, it's going to be interesting how that plays you know, out. Like that's, and that's in a month's time. Yeah. You know, and, and I've heard nothing about it. I mean, that's one of those that, you know, there's probably going to have to be a big decision made on visas and whatever else. There is. There was, 100%. There was some article about Messi couldn't play in the, against English teams in the Champions League or something because his convictions. Oh, his, his, his visa. <laughs> his visa <laughs> yeah. convictions. God. Uh, it's a, Fingers it's, crossed. Um, Ireland, getting back to the, yes. the senior side, are we going to qualify for Euros? Um, no. <laughs> no? Don't think so? I wouldn't think so. We have to win away to Slovakia and then we have to play away to the winners of Bosnia and Herzegovina and Northern Ireland. Yeah. So winning away to Slovakia is going to be tough. But we might. Like I'd say we're at, we have about a twenty percent chance of doing it. Given that the fact that both of the games are away from home is kind of the killer. Although yeah. if we get to if we play Northern Ireland in a playoff final, that's going to be you know local derby on the international stages, seldom seen. Qualified for which major championship by beating? I remember Alan McLaughlin was was the hero on the night beat Northern Ireland in a playoff would that have been Euro 88 no I wouldn't remember Euro 88 anyway oh, uh, you would <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't that's before my time um, it, w- it would be nice to see Ireland qualify for the Euros purely to see Ireland playing the European Championships on home soil with three home
Just yeah, but against Spain, Poland, Sweden. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, that's the problem. Uh, we got a draw, that would be nice. <laughs> but I think if we do qualify, like there'll be no pressure going into that group. We'll be expected to come last, so mm. it's always a lot easier to play when people don't expect expect the victory or the qualifications. Shackles yeah. can come off, nothing to lose kind of thing. Um, so was the, 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 the last football thing to go to, your, your team of the year, Joseph? Yes. Yes, I, I spent uh, probably way longer than I should have looking at this. Um, is, there, is there any players aside from Liverpool players going to make this team? Yeah, I made a conscious effort to take off my Liverpool hat, so there's only one, two, three, four, five, six <laughs> Liverpool players. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't realise you could take that hat off. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that was with the Liverpool hat well, off. Run, run right. it down for us and then we'll argue with you. Okay, so on goal, Alisson. I don't think there can be many arguments Ederson mm. was probably second it was a toss up but Alisson I think won pretty much every goalkeeping award this year so that was that was a fairly straightforward decision two centre halves I've gone with Van Dijk and Laporte um, I refuse to put in Sergio Ramos um, honourable mentions would have to go to De Ligt for his year at Ajax and obviously Juventus and Koulibaly at Napoli um, I don't think there was any other major contenders that I missed so yeah, gone with Van Dijk and Laporte. Both of them have just been immense in the two best teams in England. Uh, full backs. Again, I've gone with the Liverpool pair here, but I look the amount of, the amount of assists. Yeah, like put another backs. pair of full backs at me, and yeah. I'll I'll try. But they're the best two in the world right now. Um, I've had to go to four two three one. <laughs> I wanted four three three, but the cent- there was a lack of world class centre midfielders. Right. De Bruyne would walk in there most of the time, only he didn't have his best year, twenty nineteen. So I've gone with Frankie de Jong and Fabinho. Could have been Fernandinho in there as well. He's very effective. Uh, two of them sitting in front of the back four. Um, again, there wasn't really a whole pile of other contenders in the midfield. Mm. Bush gets came across my mind. Um, then the three in behind the striker, I've gone with Messi, Ballon d'Or winner, best footballer of all time really, definitely in there. Um, Sadio Mane, I think he's been amazing, absolutely amazing. He's just so effective, dynamic, explosive, everything you want in a winger. Uh, Bernardo Silva as a 10. He's won everything this year, yeah. except the Champions League. Um, and I've got Lewandowski up front, who is just... I think he had his first... Was it, was it November? Yeah, his first game of the season that he didn't score in. Sure. That's obviously only since August, but that's outrageous. Yeah. The man is a goal machine. Don't see any place for Ronaldo in there. No, it's not good enough anymore. He didn't have a good enough year. I mean, he was outscored in Italy by Quagliarella, who was thirty-six. <laughs> Sorry, like you're not competing with the players in that team when you're when you're performing like that. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was actually moderately straightforward. If you want of time I put into it, it was fairly easy. I don't think there was many other contenders. Salah, I guess maybe against Mane, but I thought Mane had the edge. No, Salah's year was. Um, was last season Raheem Sterling as well give him an honourable mention yeah. he's been he's been fairly world class and he can probably actually count himself a little unlucky to get in there or not to get in not there I should say so yeah, that is my team of the year only six Liverpool players only the six yeah any arguments with that uh, no I don't think so really uh, Joe, 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 Joe knows what he's doing <laughs> there yeah, so I tried to take the Liverpool <laughs> hat off but it's it's been the probably best year for Liverpool and in my lifetime anyway yeah. so there was There's always no, going to be a few minutes. no real arguments there with that at all thanks um, yeah we've, we've 
a few other bits and pieces there, but we may talk about them later on in the... No, I have a, I have a good one there. My moment of the year. Liverpool not winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'll give you that one. We've had enough oh. praise for Liverpool here, so... Oh, United fans. And there'll oh. be plenty going forward. What would your moments of the year be, lads? I'd, for me, there was only one. Like, it had to be that corner... See that's Trent Alexander-Arnold into Origi I was just I've seen a lot of football and there's not a lot takes you by surprise and that just it shocked me it was it's amazing up, it's up there it's up there like I've other moments that are you know to me this year like closer to home just better as an Irishman um, okay Shane Lowry winning the Open like that was big. I'm just after getting a dirty look from Dylan there. Like it was massive for our sport, massive for a homegrown, you know, walking up the last. Like it was just it was the emotion, like on home soil as well, you know, winning a British Open in Northern Ireland. You know, it was just an incredible day, an incredible week all around. And then there's the the Tipperary man in me with, with Tip winning all Ireland. So like we're we're just but they're they're the they're the ones that for me they're more personal. Yeah, you know. well to me because I'm you know more of a, a soccer a fanatic fan, yeah. so like Origi when he scored that goal it was just absolute euphoria yeah. it was just amazing it had to be the moment of the year by a distance I know you uh, you had a you had a couple of bloopers of the year that you wanted to point out to us as well um, yeah no, there was only two um, one of them was and this was just funny uh, the stadium or the announcer at the Dean Court Boardman's Ground um, mixed up David Louise and Gwendozy it's just really making a substitution call out the wrong name I just found it hilarious the other one was um, Eric Maxim Chupo Motting and his I don't know if you could call it a miss it was a, a world class save to be honest PSG needed a win to win the league yes they're yes. playing Strasbourg if I remember correctly um, it's one all and who was it Nkunku chip the keeper I think so I could be wrong on that one Chip the keeper, ball is going in. The cuckoo or cuckoo or kafu, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, ball is going in. He tries, to, I don't know what he tries to do. He manages to stop the ball on the line. And the, the worst thing was, BSG went on to lose like their next three games. Yeah. There was even rumbling because then I think they still won the league with like five, yeah. six games to play. But It was never going to cost them the league. No, but, but it, yeah. it was scarier than it needed to be. Yeah. This is a man who signed for PSG after. We, failing to get in a Stoke team that got relegated which was baffling in itself we may um, we may share those couple of moments uh, those bloopers and moments of the year and stuff like that on our social media yeah I was going to call it a shot but I think you know I don't think you can he no. stops the ball on the goal line it gets clear yeah. so for those of you wanting to join us on our social media at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram and at the sideline cut on Facebook and uh, you'll see those clips up there. Moving on from football onto something that myself and uh, and Dylan are a little bit more familiar with, the GAA. Dylan, great year. <laughs> Sensational year, some might say. Yeah, you're not going to get to celebrate as far as March, unfortunately. Well, you might be if you manage to win in All Ireland, but like, hmm? personally, will you win an All Ireland club? Um, County sure. title and monster title in the bag. It's anyone's game now, really. Brendan Maher for president. Brendan Maher, yeah, you can take over the world now at this stage. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if anyone thought Liverpool got a lot of praise there, <laughs> it's too tip in about to discuss hurling. So. 
Yeah. Uh, well, Cork didn't uh, do anything, so. Um. <laughs> it's fair. No, I'll give you that. One. It's, it's been, been some mentions some lean years for Cork. It's been yeah, it's been a while. Um, oh, they're on the way back. They're on the way back. It was definitely tipped here, though. What? It was. It was. Um, speak about. Let's, let's speak about the the, the All Ireland Championship first. I suppose to Barry winning all their games in Munster until they get to um, a Munster final and get absolutely destroyed bet, by, bet, bet by a, a Limerick side that's just top class, way better on the day. Like a Limerick side that we both would have said, or all of us would have said that we're never going to be beaten. Like that we could have gone on to win three, four, five in a row the way they played that day. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, they just knew what to do. Tipper out hurled there in the second half. Um, I think it was one eleven to one nine at half time, and then Limerick just came out the came out of the trap. Then I think I think mentally, from from my point of view, anyway, mentally, Tips All Ireland was probably one when Limerick lost the All Ireland semi final. You know, it was one of those things like they probably didn't want to see that green jersey again. No, possibly. They wanted to, to be honest. You know, like after after hiding like that, I think it was just a, a confidence issue, and I do not think they would have been able for it. But like Kilkenny game. We can blame the Richie Hogan sending off. It's it was a sending off all day. You can't raise the elbow like that. But mm. still, Tipperary were probably going to have too much for them on the day. Yeah, I it think just, a lot of Kilkenny fans can mm. agree to that. Yeah, it just it ruined it ruined the game as a contest. You know, and that was that was disappointing. Um, ruined the game as a contest, but I think everyone kind of in the grounds even were kind of like Tip Tipper going to do this. Mm. Uh, it was the first time in a while now I was in Crow Park thinking <laughs> Tipper going yeah. to hammer Kilkenny yeah, like, you normally go to like as a tip man watching tip play Kilkenny over the years you normally go to Crow Park going ah, we're, mm. prob- we're probably in for a rough day here you know yeah, could be a long way home yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I didn't have that feeling on the day either and it was like it was as relaxed as an All-Ireland final win can be I suppose yeah, I'm, fucking, I'm getting goosebumps here thinking about it already. Why she looks down the back of my neck? That's the cold. Uh, no, I don't know. There's just something special about it this year. Um, I suppose um, it, it was it was it Liam Sheedy effect. Liam Sheedy back at the helm, winning again. You know, I, I there's a few things. You know, Shamey Callan had a great year. Um, Brendan was back from injury. You know, there's just a few things just seemed to click. I would personally argue that Brendan had a better year than Shamey. I think Shamey got like he scored a goal in every game. Yeah. I don't think he was from apart from the goals. I don't think he was as dominant as he usually is. Now there's no doubting the effect he had as captain. I think it suited him down to the ground. He was a leader on and off the field. I think Brendan Maher, from a hurling point of view, was probably better and should have probably got you know player of the year. I don't think I think the Callan one was kind of a, a make up for not getting it yeah, previously possibly. yeah and Hurland's um, kind of gone that way um, no it's kind of the lads that do all the scoring we've seen Sean TJ Reid was nominated as mm. well but TJ is influential uh, but yeah Brendan had a savage year I think sure he he marked marked some of the best hurlers in the in the in the country and marked them off the field like they didn't get a proper ball all year so yeah it's um it's difficult to see look, look, looking at both both players of the year like Cannon and Cluxton like Cluxton again there's an argument to be made that he only got it because of you know his probably his last year as people are imagining I, I haven't heard any uh, retirement talk from him yet but there's probably been too much going on in um he's a hard man to read by <laughs> Jesus <laughs> he doesn't give anything away like he's just oh, pure 
dead stare like yeah, he's, a, he's a bit vanilla god bless him so. um, but like does he stay on Cluxton like I know we're going from football or from Ireland to football very quickly but does Cluxton stay on um, I think he kind of has to really uh, change does, the management there does Desi Farr need him to stay yeah, on I think to kind of keep yeah. that dressing room together yeah I feel like he'd have to try and keep a hold of a few players there to just make the the transition that bit easier I suppose really yeah. Yeah, just bridge the gap I suppose yeah, yeah. don't want too much change all at once from Dub- such a successful team like. Dublin are kind of turned into a bit like uh, United of the of the, the 2000s like it's everyone is shouting I mean I mean, I watched the, the Mayo game up in Mayo and like it's for the first half I think everyone was so happy to see Dublin not be on top and then they come out and they just blitzed them and that's like everyone loves to hate them you know, everyone outside Dublin watches, watches Dublin wants them to lose like yes anyone but Dublin kind of uh, yeah, yeah exactly. there is an argument is it's kind of ruining football Do you know the hurling is so competitive you have five or six seven teams that could potentially be the All-Ireland champions but Dublin just have the edge on everyone now at the moment and it's kind of I don't know. For me personally, it's 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 ruining it really. But Someone then you can't you can't yeah them, like, so you can't begrudge begrudge them then either. But they're not going to start taking it easy on people. Like I mean, you as a sportsman, like pretty much professional sportsman, like it's full time for them. Hmm. You're going to go out and win. If you're winning every year, brilliant. You're doing your job very well. Yeah, it's kind of on everyone else to up their game a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. You're dead right there, John. Um. Incre- incredible moments all year though let's let's like running down through some of the ones that we have here like go back to the hurling Patrick Horgan like is there a better score in and as a Cork fan it's probably nice to see being, them being mentioned here but like some of the scores mentioned many times here, but, um, <laughs> oh um, constantly he's just he's incredible he's single handedly keep, keeping Cork in games for the last yeah. three or four years yeah, same again this year Probably um, more than three or four years at this point. Uh, maybe not single-handedly, but the, the last couple of years. Um, Leash making the quarterfinals at Ireland. I mean, huge for, for the lower counties to look at Leash and kind of go, well, that's what we need to, need to be aiming at. Yeah, absolutely. And great for Leash Ireland in general. Like, yeah. um, they give Dublin a fair beating. And then, uh, I suppose, were they unlucky again, Tip? Not really. Tip Raw was going to have the edge, but they went to man down. And that didn't help him really. Yeah, gave him enough of a two. Like I mean, Tip would probably caught Tip at a good time, coming mm. off that loss to Limerick and a lot of soul searching going on. I'd say Tip needed needed a win against the Leash side to kind of put him back in mm. into the mindset. You know, it was great to see though. Geez, the the Leash fans supported him in Crow Park that day. Yeah, and I think they even nearly gave him a lap of honour as well. Just to <laughs> yeah, the tip lad. Well, the tip lad stayed out and applauded him anyways. I remember that much. Really? You know, so but do you know it was it was great to see them uh, like a so called second tier side, not being afraid to go out and try and hurl against it at like one of the big three or you know it's it was great. Uh, the, the next one I suppose is Wexford winning Leinster. I mean, and and fully deserving of their Leinster win and probably let's 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 be let's call it spade a spade. We're the better team against Tipperary. Probably, I think the sending off helped us a lot. Yeah. Um, Tip got a man sent off, um, and just took over. But yeah, became a, became a different team. Found space that we couldn't find. Do you blame Davy Fitz for that? Poor Davy, he gets an awful lot of slack, didn't he? Look, Davy's <laughs> results speak for themselves. Like he's he's had success for it. Like he's like the Jose Mourinho of hurling. Like everywhere he goes. He builds, like, in fact, he builds teams for two, three years. They get success to some level, and then it's kind of like those teams get burnt out, and he moves on to someone else. Now he's given Wexford, after all this talk about him going to Galway and all that, 
he's given Wexford another couple of years can Wexford do what they did again who knows because they've put in two and a half three years of just serious work they'll have the hurlers will they get burnt out you know it's it's tough to call but that day I would put a lot of blame on Davy for like tip a man down like just changing completely how they played went into a full defensive mode and suited Tipperary down to the ground yeah did yeah um, but then he brought him a Leinster title then you know it was 15 year wait and yeah that has to be considered a successful year for Wexford yeah oh without a doubt yeah. what I'm saying is like that successful year should have been in Ireland with, yeah. with, with 10 minutes to go they're in an Ireland final against Kilkenny you know and then tip get a man sent off and take over well <laughs> the, the look of the blue and gold do you know it's just yeah we see strange things happen I mean when the pressure's on like that last 10 minutes is the biggest 10 minutes and I think it's easy for kind of us to sit here and say yeah alright he got that wrong but in the moment I, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah you're looking back at it going you know that's it so um, I think don't want to be too harsh on the man like you say he's had success everywhere he's gone mm-hmm. and to bring a Leinster title as well to, to Wexford is, is huge yeah um, with just Limerick Limerick winning Munster they'd also won the league uh, this year first in 13 years Um again they probably won't see it as a successful year given that they didn't win in All-Ireland they had an All-Ireland the previous year given where Limerick are right now considering where are they right now <laughs> in the news let's just call it right like given given where Limerick are right now can you see them coming back and competing for an All-Ireland this year like maybe they might they've got a point to prove now as well that's the issue a lot of these players have taken a lot of criticism and a lot of people are looking at their say the personal side of their lives mm-hmm. and like these are young fellas who have a point to prove it's going to probably go one way or the other for them they're either going to kind of go into their shell a little bit and maybe capitulate a small bit or else they're going to come out given what we're hearing and like we won't go into it for fear of causing any havoc right but given what we're hearing there's a lot more of the personal side of these players' lives that are going to be brought into the media in the next four, six, twelve months. Quite possibly, you yeah. Know, it's 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 one of those things that's going to be hard on any team, especially is, like an amateur team that's trying to be a professional team. Like all GA teams are, all GA and county teams are. How do you how do you fight against that if you're Limerick? How, how do you, if you if you're if you're John Kiley, like how do you get them past? the media stuff and into hurling mode but that's going to be the issue I mean I think his man management skills are going to be tested the absolute limit because these are young lads and that's going to be really stressful on them like you said don't want to get into what has happened mm. or what they've done like they're being scrutinised so heavily mm. and they're, they're young lads and I think he's really going to have to he ha- he's going to have to know his players or whether he has to put an arm around him and talk to him or there's going to be other lads that he's going to have to some you, lads you have to shout and roar at like you, it depends got, on the player you've got a really young Limerick team there now and two of the the stalwarts we'll call them the ones that have been there for years Richie McCarthy and, and Brown are both after retiring mm. and they'd have been the, the heads that those younger players would have respected within the squad yeah and they're the lads that they turn to when there's something you going know, wrong so, so. That's, that's two more that are gone that you would have been your leaders in the squad so yeah it's going to be interesting to see um, on the other side if they can come through it they're going to be a young team that will have already like they've obviously won their All-Ireland and then they won everything yeah exactly and then to drop off and come back again Mm. that would be brilliant and then you could see them do it for three or four years because they'll have that experience behind them and um, they'll be a force to be reckoned with if they can return I tell you it's going to be an interesting league like 
but especially when all of this new stuff is still going out there league champ and before the championship hits in May it's going to be an interesting that's what makes hurling it's like you know there's so many teams that could do it like if this Limerick team can pull themselves together like mm. they're all Ireland contenders along with Tip well, and Galway well, how, exactly. how, how many teams could in theory win that All-Ireland next year like Limerick you're looking to get back the bulk of that Clare team that won the All-Ireland are still there yeah Cork have been there don't forget Cork lost an All-Ireland final a couple of years ago mm. like they've been there thereabouts every year Dublin have been coming like I'm not saying any of these teams are but they're com- they're competitive any of them can beat one another yeah when it's knockout hurling like I mean anything can happen Kilkenny so. everyone suggested were finished Kilkenny were finished and you know they got back to an All-Ireland final last year they will tell you that without the Richie Hogan send off they could have won that game mm. Um, Galway Galway or Galway I mean Galway have the talent to beat anyone on any given day any year I suppose it all, it all probably comes down to the Joe Canning factor and whether he's fit um, Wexford yeah left out, left out Wexford Leinster champions should have been in another six final. seven counties there like you know, so that, and that's what like, like you said that's what makes Hurling what it is yeah. um, and we'll be we'll be speaking a lot more about Hurling in, in the coming year um, moving on to the football I suppose the big talking points this year um, everyone kind of expected Dublin to win All-Ireland Mayo gave them a little scare Yeah, um, they went on and won their five in a row um, for me Conor Callaghan best footballer in the country uh, just unbelievable like scoring feats and just like powerful sensation like it, it just does it doesn't make sense what like the athletic ability of that man with his football like it just I would be terrified to be a defender marking him. I'd be terrified to mark oh, most, most of those Dublin forwards considering the ball they're getting as well. Kerry. Yeah. Um, Kerry coming through? Kerry would want to be like coming through. They've had a few good underage teams now in the last number of years. They'd want to... They drew with Dublin in the All-Ireland final. They did, yeah. Got to replay. Completely changed their style of play which had worked the first day. To me, made no sense. But... Dublin were the better team on the second day and won, and won the game you'd have to imagine that Kerry if they can bring another couple of players through they've got the bulk of last year's squad left you know it's it's there thereabouts I don't know is there anyone else in your mind that can probably come through this year no not really like for me it's, it's, it's still hard to see past Dublin you know they've had a change in management but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they react to that though it's fair hard to see it's deep past them still it's, you know, yeah. they're just a machine like you're probably looking at like the northern sides if, if any of them get it together you know like that's the thing can any of the teams get it together you're counting on a combination of fact one one or two of those teams are going to have to have a good year and Dublin are going to have mm. to drop off a little bit yeah it, it's going to be tough like Desi Farrell is just like he's gone into a thankless job you like, can't win there unless he goes and does another five in a row the only thing is he's had all Ireland success do you know at yeah. underage level he's yeah. had success at minor and under 21 but so. he's, he's yeah, going to be compared to like, Jim Gavin no matter what he does you're going into Dublin fans which are like the epitome of I don't know Napoli fans in football like, yeah like it's they're on the hill they're roaring uh, like they're very unforgiving people you know and you're looking at it going five in a row you're expected to win your sixth you've got to go in you've got to you haven't been involved in that senior squad you know them all but you've got to go in and kind of you know put your own spin on it whereas like and not change anything a, a little bit like like you say you can't win there it's a thankless job because the standard has been set yeah. so high well, anything, you can't exceed it anything short of winning an All-Ireland makes him a failure oh, yeah. absolutely so. even like 
Uh, they've had the last seven seasons. They've won seven Leinster titles. Yeah. Do you know, anything less than Leinster title is a failure. Yeah, but uh, there's no one in Leinster. There is no one in Leinster to touch them. You know, yeah, bar- barring an upset, a shock, a really wet day where someone gets sent off, yeah. and you know you're looking for. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the return of Dermot Connolly. Would you or wouldn't you? Um. I don't know, was he brought back in because Jim Gavin knew he was going to be leaving and wanted to get him back into the setup before he left? It's one way of looking at it. Like, to me, he didn't need him. No, absolutely didn't. You know, he brought him back in. He started him ahead of, like, a lot of those players that have been there all year. Like, two weeks before he was supposed to go, he was, or that, that, sorry, two weeks before he was brought back in, he was supposed to go to America to play football for the summer. I mean, to me, He's not needed. He's caused ructions. He's showed literally no interest in playing football for Dublin. Um, now, yeah. there's no doubting the class. I mean, he's the man is an incredible footballer, an incredible athlete. Like, do you? Um, you are right over there. <laughs> uh, it, it depends what was said behind closed doors as well. I assume there was probably a fairly long, in-depth conversation went on there before the decision was made. Yeah, you'd have to have said... like must have said the right things I suppose yeah did Jim Gavin like call a team meeting and go right lads I'm doing this or did he call a team meeting and go I want to do this what's your opinion I'd imagine it would have to be the latter surely although having said that if he says he's making a decision is there anyone can argue with him no but it would affect the way the team and everyone that was there you know was acting after that but then he's had so much success that yeah, you can't you can't argue with Jim Gavin. If he thinks it's the right thing to do, are yeah. any of those players qualified to tell him no? That's wrong. Yeah, true, true. Um, yeah, I don't know. We we spoke about the Cluxton uh, when I think it was just a, a token for Cluxton, given everyone thought he was going to retire, uh, and he might still do. But it's probably the time the time for announcing a retirement is probably gone. That's the thing. You'd be very late in the year to announce it. Yeah. So I might do another year or two. Yeah, maybe. It'd be interesting to see what the the. Desi Farrell kind of go to him and go look it's my first year I need to kind of keep the bulk of this together yeah. like, give me one more year I'd imagine that's what happens sail off into the sunset Cluxton yeah, probably realises that himself yeah. exactly they don't want to lose three or four players on top of the manager in the one year um, yeah there's nothing else that stands out for me in football this year I mean Fermanagh had a nice run in, in Ulster um, like Monaghan kind of seemed to have run their course everyone expected them to to come close but that kind of seems to have gone by the wayside um, yeah it's been all about Dublin really hasn't it yeah there's and just who can who can yeah. eventually well, like, beat Dublin that's yeah, all well talk that, that's it like, I mean you look at next year and you're kind of going Dublin maybe Kerry maybe an order inside yeah. that's it whereas in foot we just named Mayo <laughs> they did win the league they throw Mayo's name in there every year yeah it's just it's hard to see it isn't it you're throwing off at the wall something has to stick <laughs> like um, I, 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 going back to foot, like you talk about the curse on Mayo football, right? I read an article last week. Uh, it was an interview with Bruce Grobler. Oh, that one! <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce Grobler was saying that you know there was um some sort of a, a, a witchcraft and a jinx put on Liverpool yeah. football club, and he even? goes, he, he played in a charity game just before it started his season and he went you know what I'm going to get rid of this jinx and he went in and he went to the toilet on both sets of goalposts 
during the game. <laughs> yeah, he went in because I saw. Oh, he was to on, get rid of the to get rid of the course. He was on BT or something. It was part yeah. of some some game or testimonial game he was supposed to play, um, and it was being organised by some. Oh, he mentioned it was they made a beer, some strange beer company. I've never heard of it. Uh, apparently, they brought this, which, for want of a better yeah. word, and um, she cursed the goalposts. So he apparently the way to break the curse was yeah, to to, to take point. a leak on the goals. <laughs> so he went in into a water bottle, and then yeah. start of each half, doused yeah. the goals in them. So he claims the curse has now been lifted, and Liverpool can win the league. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe Andy Moore needs to go up before a game next year and. <laughs> squirt, squirt, an old, squirt an old water bottle over the over the Crow Park goalposts. How, how many points did he before he did that? <laughs> um, sure, look, I can't do any harm, can I? I don't know. The groundsman is probably listening to the interview, going, "You dirty animal!" Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One of stranger moments of the year, actually, that interview from Bruce Graham. Yeah. yeah. Um, club hurling and football. Paddy Hell Shamrocks winning the All Ireland on Paddy's Day last year. Cora Finn winning the the uh, the football. Both still in the championship this year. Um, the Bursley man beside me will be uh, will be hoping that they can overcome. Is it St Thomas's first in the semi final? Yeah, St Thomas's. And then um, either Bally Hale or Schlockneil in the in the All Ireland final on the seventeenth of January. Um, seventeenth, yeah, yeah. Um, Cora Finn then. Hard to look past them for uh, Ballyboden are still in it, aren't they? In, is, what are the two semi final lineups in the. Uh, Corfin and Nemo Rangers and Ballyboden St. Enders and Kilku. Yeah, ne- Nemo. Nemo is a funny one. Nemo have won Cork, seven, Cork football 17 times, right? They have 14 monster titles out of those 17. And it gone on. I, I, I didn't get the, how many All Ireland titles they have, but. Like it was, um, that's some record when you think about it. Oh, outstanding! Sensational, yeah. That um, level of converting core yeah. titles into monster titles yeah. is sensational. Um, yeah, but they're they're feared throughout Cork. Like I even remember, obviously growing up. Yeah. If you were playing against Nemo underage, you just you were beaten before you went out there. Like <laughs> yeah. it was one of those. It was keep the score down, make this respectable. It's it's difficult. Corrigan are an incredible club. It's difficult to see anyone getting past them. Um, that was it. I suppose the, the other two talking Dublin winning ladies football, as well as the the senior hurling, or senior football. Jesus, James. Um, and then Galway winning the um, Galway winning the Camogie. Um, yeah. Any any other talking points in the GA? Uh, I don't think so. Generally, it'll be interesting now with the clubs. Um. Yeah, it's it. Uh, club finals are moved from moved from the seventeenth of March, their their normal day on on Paddy's day to um. To 17th, 18th of January, um, just to kind of get all the fixtures in line. Not not good time for hurling or football, really, is it? Depend on the weather. No, absolutely not. And I suppose it was nice for him as well. Paddy's weekend, club all Ireland. So there was a lot of tradition behind it. So yeah, but I I think it was born out of the fact that the top players, when their clubs were going well, they were they were having to hurl twelve months of the year. They were getting no break at all and player welfare and stuff like that. Um, and then trying to keep the club game going as well as the the intercounty game and trying to figure out the, the proper fixture schedule. Um, the CPA, the Club Players Association, I see they pulled out of talks with the GPA and the GAA because they figured or, or they, they decided that like and it's dead there for a long time, kind of 
with all of the different plans but recently they just pulled out and decided not oh, this this isn't going to go any way good way towards the club players it's all about the intercounty i think it was after the um the b championship was given the okay in the in the senior football for next year or so um it'd be interesting to see what happens there and what they decide um all Ireland finals back to first week in September next year, aren't they? Is it gone back been approved? I don't think any of that it's, it's approved. One, yet, of the, is it? one of the it's, it's all in the, in the proposals. Anyway. Yeah, but I don't think any um, of it has been approved yet. Yeah, so like, I suppose January we'll know a lot more about what's going on, and yeah, we can start to plan for plan for the All Ireland final next year again. Dill. Yeah, well, it's probably the first time in a long time I've been looking forward to hurling <laughs> in January. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my, and, uh, my year could be a write-off after January <laughs> don't mind in September uh, perfect right moving on to rugby um, not the year we all thought we were going to have no didn't pan out from, uh, from an we, Irish point of we, view anyway we look at the international scenes trade off the bat yeah I that mean, was the big one I mean I, I, I went to uh, an evening with Joe Smith a couple of weeks ago in um, in Limerick where he was going through his book and stuff like that and he was talking about the, the ins and outs and like here's a man who's won everything and had won everything with that Irish team first coach ever to win it win a series in Australia in South Africa uh, he won a Grand Slam like first coach Irish coach ever to beat New Zealand and beat them twice yeah and you know you're going into a war this is that coming off the back of the 2018 you had you're going into a World Cup here going, oh, look, the sky is our limit. We're one of the favourites for it. Um, Believed our own hype, did we? Um, a small bit. Well, I think you were, we were talking about it and um, all the pressure was put on the World Cup. Like yeah. Even at the, six, at the time of the Six Nations, which obviously Wales did well to, so that, to take the Grand Slam there. But So that, that's the point. I mean, Smith made the point himself that he kind of told the team after the November series that you know we've won a Grand Slam we've won Six Nations we've won everything the World Cup is our goal yeah and I think that probably resonated with most of the team and kind of took their took their eye off the ball a little bit you know it's momentum that wins these things that's the thing if you drop that high standard it's very hard to pick it back up again you look at South Africa South Africa won the World Cup but also won the World Championship the when, where they beat New Zealand and yeah. Australia and 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 uh, sorry Argentina, um, and went straight through and just won and like there's a lot of similarities between the way the Irish team were playing and the way the South African team were playing. Yeah. Up until 2018 and like everyone was given out that you know the Irish team was too one dimensional and you know they should have changed their way of playing or too defensive. Like that South African team that won the World Cup had only one way of playing. It was power rugby. Yeah, it worked. You know, and and they kept doing what they did best. I think the Irish team just. Maybe it got in their heads. Maybe they wanted to play a different way, and they yeah. decided they, you know, they couldn't win doing the same thing. Watching them, there seemed to be a drop off in intensity as well. I remember was it England were playing um, a month or two before the World Cup? Yeah, in the warm up games, the first one after the, just, after the Portugal camp. Yeah, England just looked so much more on it. They were sharper. They were faster. Like Ireland constantly looked half a second behind. I think it was the same one of the Wales games we played in the warm up as well, and that carried through into the World Cup. Then I thought to an extent. I can understand that. So you've got an English team that's aiming to peak for one of their early games, right? And the Irish team is after coming off a week-long warm weather fitness training camp in Portugal. 
Yeah. They arrived back the day before and they ship 50 points to an England team. I can see it. I don't understand the merit in it, but I can see it. You know, like it's conf- it's a confidence thing at that stage. Yeah. Um, and then you go out and you play Wales back to back um, and you win both those games. You play Italy. It's a kind of a, there's nothing confidence yeah, there's nothing you can gain out of an Italian game anyway and then you go out and you put in your best performance of the 12 months against Scotland which is the high with Japan next thinking oh we've already won the group yeah and then that's probably what happened against Japan now credit to Japan at the same time though Japan played sensational they're brilliant they're fantastic they, they, to watch. they were the standout memory of that yeah. World Cup you know whereas if you look at it and Elias Sullivan made this point on, on the, the night in UL they played for the first 20, 27 minutes. Ireland played out of their skins, had two tries, you know, were well on top. And bar a referee decision which pulled them back for a forward pass in midfield, where they would have been straight, they'd gotten through the line, they had a try on, it would have put them well up for a forward. There wasn't a forward pass. Yeah. And it changed the complete momentum of the game. Um, the heat, the occasion, everything got to them. And then Japan just kind of stood on their necks so to speak and you know and then Ireland are back at each other again if Ireland had won that game you know gone on finished the group with wins over over yeah. Russia it might have been a different story altogether could have been that could have helped rebuild that momentum yeah but instead you're playing New Zealand in a quarter final and like when confidence is low when you're playing New Zealand yeah. there's, there's no worse team to play Um, yeah Wales won the Grand Slam the Six Nations we, like, we spoke about the World Cup the Six Nations was just a write off for Ireland yeah, yeah, never you, really you lose, to, lose to Wales, lose to England. The Wales game was like an annihilation. Um, England on the first day, like scoreline kind of flattered Ireland a little bit. They weren't anywhere yeah. close to winning that game. Um, and then you beat France, and you think, oh, maybe it's not as bad as it seems because you're beating a French team. But um, no, it kind of gave a, a view of what was to come for the year. Um, club rugby, Leinster. Like, what do you say about Leinster? They're just Saracens beat them in the Heineken Cup. We know the issues that uh, the Saracens have had since, but yep. Leinster win another Pro Fourteen. Like they're just the conveyor belt of players coming out of that. Oh yeah, Leinster yeah. Academy is ridiculous. And this year they've started the exact same way. They're, they're four wins from four in the Heineken Cup. Um, top of their pool in the in the um, the Pro Fourteen again, um, and just looking like they're unbeatable that's it they're a bit like we were talking about Dublin in the football there's a success breeds success and mm. they're just they're riding the crest of a wave right now yeah. and it looks you know there's no real end to it in sight it will come eventually but right now they, yeah. they just look dominant yeah we, we, we spoke about Saracens Saracens uh, won the Heineken Cup but have suffered a 35 point deduction yeah. and a 5 million pounds fine for their um, for going over the salary cap in the premiership yeah you can't ever see them being relegated right they'll, they'll be no. better they'll come back they'll get above whoever they have to get above it's just it's just not going to happen should the salary cap apply to the Heineken Cup as well so I'm hearing that Saracens are going to possibly have extra players that aren't in their premiership squad just for the Heineken Cup. Just for the Heineken I've heard Cup. that already. That doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. And it definitely doesn't make any sense considering they sent half a side over to play Munster a couple yeah. of weeks back. Um, 
and were probably still unlucky to lose. Yeah. Um, and then beat Munster at home. Um, and having separate squads, I mean, a full squad just for the Heineken Cup. It's funny what we're, what they were doing. I don't know whether you know the ins and outs, but Saracens were paying all their players a wage, and then certain players had set up companies that were apparently doing works for the club. Oh. Without doing works for the club, construction oh. companies and media companies and this kind of thing, yeah. and we're getting extra money paid into those accounts and blah blah blah. blah. Um, they were doing it for a while as well, wasn't it? Was it three or four years or something? Um, five years, yeah. Five years. Five years, I think, or four. Yeah, no, four years. You're probably right. Four. Um, they could see why it was a hefty punishment. So, yeah, it's like I know I know Exeter Chiefs have come out and said, "Well, look, they've." They illegally won the last two titles. They beat us for for last year's one. Yeah. You know, should we not get the title? They have a point. Yeah, but when you're coming out asking to be given a title, even though you're beaten on the pitch, it's kind of a little bit much, isn't it? A small bit, but you, they have, like I said, they have a point. I think I remember was it in Italy, the time Juventus got relegated. There was the whole match fixing thing. Inter Milan were handed those titles. Juventus were stripped of them. You see it happen in the. Cycling Olympic, the Olympics. And Olympics all the time, yeah. Why not? If you get caught cheating, you don't, you don't get your titles. Simple <laughs> yeah, as that. Yeah. Um, it's never the same, obviously, to get one after the fact. Is you know, you, you want to win on the pitch, obviously, but mm. if someone's won and done it by fairly deliberately breaking the rules, and it's and so as if the players okay, didn't know, like the players knew exactly what was going on, like they were involved. Yeah. As well as that, that's an extra deterrent to stop other clubs from thinking about doing it. Yeah, because yeah. uh, if a club thinks they can overcome a points deduction and a fine, they might still chance it. See how long they can get away with it if they know they're going to keep the titles. Yeah, it's one of those things. It probably gives more credit to the whole. Let's have a European league. So, yeah. like you've got a French league, you've got the English league, you've got the Pro Fourteen. Like, there's been talks for years that the Heineken Cup becomes a league. Yeah. With all of the teams in it and have just divisions rather than that. And then you put a salary cap in for the whole lot so that everyone is playing by the same rules. What do you do with uh, the Heineken Cup then though? Well, still, it'll be the Heineken League, Heineken Cup. I would imagine you'll still have the cup fixtures. But I could say you need knockout rugby. Probably knockout rugby. Yeah, yeah. you'd have to. Um, it could do an American-style thing where you have the have a league and then playoffs of some kind. Yeah, well, that's the way the Pro 14 works. Yeah. So right now, with, like speaking of Pro 14, it's um, going into Christmas, you've got Leinster... First Ulster second in one pool, and yeah. you've got Munster first Connacht second in the other pool, which you know in itself says lots about Irish rugby and where we're still at. Yeah. Um, and says an awful lot more about uh, Welsh and Scottish rugby and where they are in terms of club rugby. Um, yeah, that's one thing. While we were giving out about Ireland there earlier, and kind of criticising them, like again, the bar was set very high. Yeah. Well, while we're the, the fact that Ireland were looking to win a World Cup. Yeah, but when you're good enough, like you should be aiming for that. I know, but the I mean, how many times have Ireland gone to a World Cup and never, get never knocked, got, never knocked got out? Never got past the quarterfinals. I was going to say, yeah, you get knocked out of the quarterfinals and you're like, okay, that's, you know. Yeah. They put in a good show, well done, lads. Whereas now we're, we're annoyed, we're disappointed at the quarterfinals. Well, today, as we're recording this, um, Ireland are currently in their uh, State of the Union uh, rugby gathering under their new coach Andy Farrell oh. um, yeah so there's 45 players gone into an Irish camp for two days to okay. try to just kind of meet up and 
pre-Christmas just have a camp and figure out where you're at and what the plan is for the year and stuff so be interested to see what comes out of that um, Munster given that it's our, uh, <laughs> our hometown here in Tolman Park in Limerick and um, not really like they're top of their group yeah. in the Pro 14 um, they're still in with a chance in the Heineken Cup but the loss and the loss of Saracens and the draw to Racing yeah. that's probably kind of scuppered any chances definitely like, hasn't helped no you, like, you're probably going to beat Ospreys you need to go out and beat Racing away now um, to have any chance of going through and, and Racing are playing out of their skin so yeah, going to like, barring a miracle we're probably not going to make the uh, the quarterfinals again might actually give them more of a chance of winning a Pro 14 title quite possibly because yeah. they can draw their eggs into that basket exactly. so um, Six Nations wise starts in February um, do you think Wales will do it again? no I think it's it's probably England's to lose um, I'm expecting a, some big performances out of Ireland given how the players have played with their club since they came back yeah. from the World Cup you'd imagine they're going to give themselves every opportunity and Andy Farrell is probably going to have to, to fix the the defensive frailties he have and decide on a on a way of playing um, are Ireland playing England in Twickenham this year or yeah so it's England and France away and it's uh, okay. Wales, Scotland and Italy at home okay. so um, yeah uh, look six nations you never know what's going to happen that's it it's five games and realistically um, You'd expect Ireland to beat Italy and Scotland at and, the very least. And to be honest, like you could be looking at the last year in Irish shirt for a lot of our our top players. I mean, possibly. Like over the next two years, a decision has to be made on like the likes of Sexton, the likes of Conor Murray, the likes of you know those players that have been our top players for the last five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah. Where you got to decide whether they're going to be too old for the next World Cup or not. In age, yeah. in age terms they probably are you know I think we realised Rory Best was probably too old this year yeah. uh, but just realised it too late and you didn't have enough in reserve so you got to start building for that yeah definitely I think you're going to have to start looking at some of the younger players and replacing them like you say for the next World Cup cycle coming around so when does that um, when does that when does that change over you know um, you'd imagine he'll have like he'll have time to phase them out to have the likes of like you said Murray and Sexton alongside these younger players well, some, some players are going to be easier to replace let's let's take Murray Murray's never been the same since he came back from injury no. like he was the best scrum half in the world when he got injured this year nobody could say it was his best and you look at John Cooney with, with Ulster at the moment who's probably the best scrum half in the world yeah on, on current form not saying that he's the best but he's a lot to learn but he's still like he's scoring tries he's a goal kicker you know um, that kind of thing easier to replace than a Johnny Sexton where you know your your second choice out half for the World Cup was Jack Carty and he's not even making the Connacht team the yet you know so um, you look at that like Ross Byrne is probably the one that's going to be the like Carberry's injured um, Sexton is injured Carty's not starting so you're probably looking at Ross Byrne of Leinster coming straight in from being not in a World Cup squad to starting for the Six Nations yeah that's huge big chance yeah. for him so. you know and he's a good player yeah you know so um, interesting to see interesting to see I suppose a, a word of note and, uh, and probably for, for Munster fans the uh, the moment of the year was probably Felix Jones and all the former uh, Munster uh, backroom staff lifting the World Cup uh, with South Africa um, what, what an awesome move for him like 
yeah to go huge. From, to go from Munster to, to South Africa and just have that much success brilliant for him brilliant brilliant um, for Munster fans to see as well yeah we kind of have we kind of have to celebrate every little bit of success at the moment small bit, yeah. <laughs> hey if uh, there's a bandwagon we'll jump on it <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah it's but again like Munster last to Saracens like they've lost in two semi-finals at the Heineken Cup the last couple of years so you're kind of looking at this year is, is a major failure if they don't get out of the group yeah with with a group the way they've had it with Rassing and and, uh, and Saracens it's always going to be tough to get out or something like that ah who knows another monster miracle um, hopefully yeah any uh, anything else to add on the rugby end uh, no it's just interesting to see so many former Irish players giving it a go with the coaching you know like, like Sir Roger seems to be getting having good success there as well yeah, Raj, Raj had some awesome success in New Zealand. I keep disagree with you at the moment on the way things are going in Grenoble. He's having a, a, a kind of a a steep learning curve with uh, with Grenoble. Um, I see they had their first uh, Champions Cup win um, last week, um, but he just like I don't think he's having any luck either. Like he's having a lot of yellow cards and a lot of red cards, and just it's not it's not really been going according to plan for him. Sometimes, but, um, sometimes you have to experience those as well. Like, of course, like, all be good. Like, with Canterbury, he was with the Crusaders. He was like, you're going in with the best team and best club team in the world. Very easy to have success. But everyone, even the Racing guys, like everyone speaks the world of him. So you're um, you're kind of looking down the line and going, well, possibly a an Irish coach in the making. You know, and I think he'd made no bones about it. He wants that job. He just wants. Oh, it yeah. the, He wants it at the right time. Um, when we were when we were at that Joe Smith thing. Um, Paul O'Connell was brought on stage and Paul O'Connell was asked, you know, can we, how, how far in the future can we see uh, a Rod O'Connell partnership as, you know, as, as Irish coaches? And he says, well, Rod is probably closer to it than I am. Um, uh, Paul had been with, like, he's been with a lot of Irish underage teams. He's yeah. been with, like, did some underage Monster Academy stuff. I think he's involved this year with, like, the under-18s or 20s in Ireland. But went to Stade Francais and just due to one thing or another, could only last a year over there so like he's he still reckons he has a lot to learn before he can take on a big job like that you're probably looking at maybe o'connell going to munster first and then both of them joining together at at ireland yeah be interesting to that see. would be the ideal plan um, i'd like to see i'd like to see O'Gara and o'connell at munster and maybe having some success and then stepping Step up to up. that next level yeah um so i think if it was to happen that would be the way it would have to go yeah it, it, you don't know yeah, unless they ended up with the same team, maybe in France or somewhere, potentially. But it, I think we all, when we imagine it, it's going to be months. Yeah, given, given, like given their history. Yeah, 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 exactly. And given what we grew up watching, like they're yeah, two, that's it. two of our heroes. Yeah. So. Um, and they'd be given every chance as well if they got involved in Munster because I mean they're heroes them. around here. Like yeah, I think if they'd shown the interest straight off the bat and were like they'd have been pushed sooner than they were ready. Yeah. So. Um, Right, moving on. Other moments, I suppose, that stood out in our mind this year in in, in Irish sport. Um, I suppose, given given the year that's in it and, and the huge positive outlook there is for female and women's sport, um, we'll get down to two or three different things that kind of crossed. Um, Irish women's hockey, qualifying for the Olympics off the back of a year where they lost the World Cup final it's an incredible achievement yeah um, 
brilliant. I think probably like everyone else, hadn't really kind of jumped on the bandwagon on that one. Like I, I won't claim to watch an awful lot of women's hockey, but then when they started getting successful, yeah. it was a case of oh, we'll flick that on, and it was good to watch. Like it was a yeah. change. Wouldn't normally watch yeah. hockey like, but again, back, back to your bandwagon comment. It's like as soon as any Irish team is is doing well, you just jump at it like ah, yeah. you're turning it on nice the TV. See, like, and you obviously can't go around supporting everyone. I mean. We're not watching every obscure sport like and if they're doing well. <laughs> if RT will show it, we'll jump on it. Yeah, fair play to them. Like it's actually watching that on BBC. <laughs> um yeah, and you, you look at you look at other um other big events in, in especially women's sport, like Katie Taylor, now a two weight world champion. Outstanding. it's 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 mad to think, isn't it? And like, oh sensational. She's absolutely sensational. Like, since she won her Olympic um her Olympic gold medal, like another Another one that kind of had the issue with the uh, with the judges last time around the Olympics came out yeah. of there and has just beaten all before her in um, in in boxing and like now won another world title. At a yeah, and I think and I think there was a lot of question marks when she turned pro as well as to whether there was enough, you know, in women's pro boxing. And I think she's she's taken women's boxing to another level. Well, she she probably has a pain in her back from carrying it. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's like she's like, the face of women's boxing. Yeah, now. fact, fact. Eddie Herndon must be laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> um, uh, and then, again, recently, as, as close as yesterday, um, Fallon Sherrock. Oh, on the darts. And Brilliant. Really might not mean that much to pe- to most people, but like, I watched it. It was it was just happened to be on World Championship darts. Like the first night she was on against, it was one of those opening round one games where yeah. you don't even recognize the name and seen Fallon Sherlock. Didn't even realize it was a female darts player, um, and goes out and wins her first match, and then comes back on the second night in the second round and beat Menzer Sulevich, like ranked eleven in the world. Yeah, like huge. it's incredible for it's for for female sport in general. But it is. But like, I think darts is one of those sports that women could. Play with men. Absolutely, there's not not a lot of sports that women and men can play side by side, but darts is definitely one of them. I don't see why not. Absolutely no reason why. And the crowd love her. Well, I think the, the crowd are loving it and loving the option to hate on men. A little which bit, is, yeah. Which is weird. Well, I think the fact that it's new. That they, like, yeah. Has, I don't think there's been a woman. There definitely hasn't been a woman be this successful in a world championship. I don't know if one's uh, ever competed in the men's world championship. There was last year. I can't remember her name. There was last year. Didn't win a game though. This was the first. And second wins by a woman. Yeah, so like, crowd um, loved. It. I'd love seeing something different. So yeah, and I think and everyone's been te- who's been speaking about it, and everyone is kind of looking forward to the twenty seven. I think she plays Chris Doby next. Oh, nice um, one. Definitely be tuning in for that. Another yeah. bandwagon to jump on. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. You know, like I'm, the I mean, let's face it. How many of us watch women's darts? I don't think it's even televised. I've never come across it on television. The, but like now, the BDO, she, the BDO televised the women's side of their one. The PDC don't. Um, where and, do, and where even do you go to watch BDO darts? BBC. Oh, wow. Okay. World Championship was on in January. Oh. Um, but, like, Fanninger isn't even favourite to win the Women's Championship. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the name escapes me. I need to figure that one out. But hopefully, like, that should open the door and maybe there won't be any, I don't know, maybe there won't be need for a Women's Championship that it would just be the one. Like I said, that they could compete side by side, and I don't see why not. I think you'll still have a women's championship, but qualifying is already open to anyone who hits a certain standard. Yeah. In women's to qualify for. Well, that's the it, men's. and it, it is one of those sports. There's no reason why. I mean, you wouldn't expect 
men and women to do like 100 meter sprint together I mean you look at the times the men yeah, yeah. the records are all faster there are certain things that there are some sports I mean we've seen horse riding um, mm. equestrian is yeah, yeah like there's no male and female it's all just integrated I think darts could be could be next and who knows if she manages to get deep into the tournament like she's already got past Christmas and that's well, the big one in the darts look at the amount of new fans the PDC have gained possibly and, and the amount of we'll say mainline media they have over the mm. last three four days that they would never have had ever oh, yeah. before you know papers columns whatever it is like the, the big thing for me like for Fallon Turk, she went out won the first game mm. and had to do interviews with like a hundred media outlets oh, the I'd next day so. and then came back and won her second round game and like the, the thought, talk is and you listen to Wayne Mardell and whatever speaking about it like that she's painfully shy so like how she's able to keep her head doing all that and still winning I mean yeah, great some incredible checkouts as well and, and some great darts like deserved every part of that win against yeah Sinovich. 100% um, yeah as, go, going back to uh, Van Gerwen world champion last year um, probably your favourite again I suppose everyone's sad to see Barney retire yeah it, w- it was sad he kind of went out in a whimper as well yeah yeah, it's like there's been a lot of shocks this year. It's it's been great to see. Like you can't you normally come into these championships and go, ah, Van Gerwen or Taylor and Yeah. Uh, this true. year it's kinda of wide open. Van Gerwen's probably still favourite. Van Gerwen's probably favourite. You're looking at after that the usual kind of top five in the world, top ten. So mm-hmm. probably Gary Anderson, is he gonna be there thereabouts? He will be, but not playing the way he was when he won um, his world titles. Like, you, w- you would have thought Sullivan would have been given given there thereabouts at number eleven. Yeah. and you know what, given given that we're all bandwagon jumpers here. There was a specific night called Irish Night, where four Irish players played yeah. one set one after another. Um, Willie O'Connor, one of our one of the Limerick men from just down the road here in Gatmore, um, actually won that night and was the only one to win. And then yeah. just the other night, like Gerwin Price is ranked number three as far as I know. Yeah, he's going to be one of the ones that you expect to go deep into the tournament. Willie O'Connor had two match starts at double two, which he himself thought was double one, and aimed for the wrong darts. And when he came out and was interviewed afterwards, he was asked about it, and he said, "What do you mean?" Yeah, he just didn't realize. Didn't but in the heat of the moment, I mean, that was obviously huge for him. He didn't know, you know. So whatever way he went, when it was four four left, he automatically thought, "Oh, double, double two, that's a two, double one." Well, something, yeah. It was you obviously know, just he got his wires crossed you, somewhere. You, you got a feel for the guy. He could have knocked out the number three. He'd have been the top seed in that quarter of the draw. Yeah, with it wide open for him, you know. Um, Daryl Gurney being the only only Irishman standing from, from Northern Ireland, um, which yeah, that'll that'll keep me busy over the over the Christmas watching that anyway. Um, back to boxing, Mick Conlon. Um, he beat Nick Keaton, the guy that he had controversially lost to in the uh, in the last Olympics. Um, yeah. I heard I heard someone say during the week he can he can finally stop. Going around giving the finger to everyone, mm-hmm. um, but you got you got to appreciate Mick Conlon for Mick Conlon. I mean, he's just like painfully straight talking. Like, yes, there's there's no oh completely there's no shite with him, and it's like he says what he feels, and like it's a European title now. He's probably not far off getting a world title shot. He's unbeaten at, in professional ranks. You know, he's got that big dirty monkey off his shoulder. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, look, let's hope Definitely so. Definitely a big one for him. Um, yeah, three pro pro wins twenty nineteen. He could have a big twenty twenty. No. Yeah. You'd imagine, yeah, he'd be expected to kick on a bit. 
Yeah, and for the likes of Conlon, I mean, when he could fight three or four times this year. You know, I know there's there's um, the big Irish card that he's been fighting on for the last two or three years in um, in Madison Square Garden on, on Paddy's Day. So yeah. you're kind of hoping that maybe he might have a title shot. Katie Taylor's probably looking at that as well for another fight. Um, like one of those things, maybe a crossover with myself being in New York for that. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Fine life, isn't it? Ah, sure look. Um, it's as well for some. Yeah, other other boxing news. I mean, I think that the shock of the year was probably um, Joshua losing to Andy Ruiz. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Like you look at Joshua and you just go, like, who's going to knock that granite of a man out? He's an, he's like, an animal. Like. He's in sensational lick, and especially he, when we saw Ruiz. Yeah, like Ruiz is probably the worst shape I've ever seen on a heavyweight boxer. There was one guy, possibly. I, can't, I can't remember his nickname, uh, joint guy, uh, uh, it'll come to me. It'll Apparently come. the um, value of uh, the David Hay fought, remember, was, was he seven foot three or something? I don't know. Outrageous. It was, it was David <laughs> Hay's first world title fight, I think. Right, okay. And he fought, your man was, value was his name, seven foot three, and he just dominated the middle of the ring and Hay just had to box around him. Yeah, it's He it's was huge. Yeah, it's, it, but again, end of the year Joshua comes back beats Ruiz in the rematch takes all his titles back and you're probably looking at him versus Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder it's a it's a very um, British dominated boxing game right now especially yeah, I think boxing. everyone wants to see the Joshua and Fury fight I yeah. think that's the one that people want yeah whether it'll happen or not I don't know it'll depend I'm sure speaking of Fury right like he's an enigma isn't he you got to have nothing but respect for the man. Like, what did he lose? Nine stone. Oh, yeah. He came back. I, I mean, he was... The story goes, he was driving down the motorway and just decided, or driving down the road and just decided, I'm just going to drive into incoming traffic and just going to end it all. And whatever came across me, he decided, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Went home and told his wife that he was going to win a world title and he was going to go back boxing and whatever. And, and she said, like, he'd done this he'd done this 10 times and he said the last time she just went I believe you this time and he did and he went out and he lost 9 stone and he came back and like the wilder draw everyone believes he won that fight yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the next fight is for him and yeah it's going to be an interesting boxing year Um, definitely definitely going to get a couple of those big headline fights yeah staying in the fight game I mean um, MMA is kind of it's not the same since McGregor went off the rails is it no, he's. I mean, he's box office, isn't he? He's, there's always a headliner. Conor McGregor's around. Yeah, but it, I, I think he took he took MMA and he took the fight game from like a bit part sport in Irish lives to everyone thinking they knew something about MMA about the yeah. UFC, and then he went off and had his little freak out and attacked a bus and punched an old man and. Now he's back in the UFC and he's fighting on the uh, 18th of January. Yeah, he must have, must have spent all that cash he made off the Mayweather fight. But you see, he's still making money from his whiskey. Like, there's, like, proper 12 is after taking whatever amount of the market it's after taking from Jemison is in it? the US. Okay. Yeah, it's like 1% of the market in the US is massive. So, That's huge. Um, like, I don't know. Khabib says he's never going to fight him again. He says he doesn't need to. Like he's already proved his way better. 
be interesting. I, I think the, the UFC and Dana will probably force Khabib if yeah Conor, he wants that fight if Conor, wins, if Conor wins two fights I think the funniest part of the UFC since McGregor had his little sabbatical was probably the uh, the BMF title the BMF title the new title they invented to kind of compete with WWE oh yeah so BMF stands for bad motherfucker oh and they had uh, The Rock bring the belt in over his head into the ring it was between uh, Masvidal and Nate Diaz Okay. Uh, Masvidal won it. Nate Diaz says, "Like, I didn't lose, even though he was, you know, the fight was stopped." So, the reckon the second fight for McGregor should he beat Cerrone could be um, against Masvidal for the BMF title. That'd you be know. interesting. You know, it's 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 a makey uppy title. It's like it seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, um, title is a title at the end of the day. McGregor will still want to win it. I'm sure. And that's it. You know. So, again, there's nothing. There was nothing else really to entice any Irish fans. We went to uh, we went to Bellator during two thousand and nineteen, which was um, it's just like a a pound shop version of uh, of UFC. Now they're they're the second, probably the second biggest um, organization in MMA. But I don't know. It's just you're trying too hard to be the UFC rather than beat it. Yeah. To me, Aristotle probably fighters there that are going to cross over between the two but um, one Irish guy uh, Gallagher that believes he's Conor McGregor reincarnated which really annoys me yeah. like he said it's fine it's fine if it's McGregor doing it because McGregor you know invented ah, he still annoys it, me to be honest yeah but he invented it whereas you've got a guy from Donegal who's touted as the next big thing in UFC and he's pretending to be a guy from from inner city Dublin like yeah and strutting around like he's you know the man um, cycling cycling yeah I suppose it's a mixed bag really for Irish uh, cyclists uh, it was interesting there when we were going through with you we had uh, Dan Martin had 5 top 10 finishes uh, and it was still like his quietest year yeah. uh, as, a, as a as a cyclist uh, crashed out with a tour but um He'd be my man to watch now in 2020 if I was to predict anything would be keeping an eye on Dan Martin. I think so too because he was getting to a stage where he was competing for those big titles. Um, the crash out, I don't think he was going to compete this year anyway. The crash out happened just as he was, you know, fading away anyway. Um, you could see him come back and, and, and take a couple of Grand Tour stages next year. Um, I'd say he'll be aiming for a big one in the Tour de France. He'll he'll be aiming for something big now. Next year it was a uh, very quiet year for him um, in terms of success, but huge year for Sam Bennett. Yeah, Sam Bennett. Uh, I think we've adopted him there, Carrie Shore man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was born on our side of the border, at the very. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of bandwagons, um, yeah, it's like you think about cycling, and you you don't really ever think of Irish cyclists being sprinters. Yeah, that's exactly what Sam Bennett has and obviously he won two stages on the Vuelta Vuelta yeah um, he's also the national road race champion so um, he could, he'd he be another lad now to watch out next year he's um, he's joining Quickstep uh, Philippe, Philippe Gilbert is leaving so he could possibly be a replacement yeah, there Gilbert so. is like he's competing for those sprinters jerseys oh, yeah, he's every massive. man's over the last yeah. 10 years so like big shoes to fill but you know 
one of those things. It'd be great, great to see um, a couple of them. I suppose uh, the most famous of them all, Nicholas Roach, Dan Martin's cousin, and Stephen Roach's son, um, like had the red jersey for a couple of stages. I don't think anyone has ever considered him, you know, in that bracket of being the possibility of winning. He's more of the, like, the team lead or the team, the, like the second, you know. Yeah, bring, he bring does. The he does along. the does the the dogging. Um, that's his position usually. So, uh, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's signed a new deal there with uh, Sunweb for another two years. So I suppose he's keeping on with the same team. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he held the jersey uh, stage two until stage five of the Vuelta, and crashed out in stage six. He mm-hmm. was in fifth place, so he was he uh, he performs well at the Vuelta. Yeah. So he does. It's, it kind of seems to be the one that uh, he likes to. I think the one big thing holding both Dan Martin and Nicholas Roach back is their sprinting ability because when it comes to time trials they seem to lose an awful amount of time yeah. over the primaries in all the other teams you know the Froome's and whoever else you know it's yeah yeah the individual time t- tr- time trial isn't their strong point at all no, no. whereas Sam Bennett again if you could put Sam Bennett and Dan Martin together we'd probably have a Tour de France winner possibly yeah <laughs> so yeah no it'll be interesting to see why I'd say Dan is kind of one to look at Look at there now for next year. Um, golf, what a year for golf! Like start of the year, Tiger is making a bit of a comeback. A bit. Uh, this well. is this is early in the year where he's not winning titles and he's making his comeback and he's trying, and then it comes to the Masters in Augusta, and Tiger wins his fifteenth major. It comes alive at the Masters, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, it's like, like you could. Tiger could go out for the next five Masters and win all of them, and Possibly, you and, and you wouldn't be th- and you wouldn't be surprised. And he's only three behind Nicholas now. Yeah, yeah. If he overtakes Nicholas. That's going to be huge. Yeah, and and like for five years, everyone said, "Nah, he's finished. He's never coming back." Yeah, it looked that way. I mean, everyone could be forgiven for saying that. Like he looked like he was done and dusted. Yeah, it's good to see it. It's great for the game of golf. It is. It's nice to see him back. To be honest. Yeah, you know, and like, it just again. Maybe maybe it's what gives the likes of Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and all those. It gives them a target now, because yeah. again there was so many players there that were on the same level, um, and you know they're all fighting against each other. Whereas now you've got Tiger, and Tiger, no matter whether he's playing at that level or not, he's still the bullseye. He's still what every other player wants to be. Yeah, and like, if if Tiger can get back to the level he was playing at, like he could start cleaning up yeah. again. Because, like you say, that a lot of those players are on a similar level, and Tiger, we have seen go well above that level consistently. It's yeah. when, if he can get back to that again, I think no, a lot le- of people are in trouble. The level of golf in the world is way better now than when Tiger was dominating. It is like there's a lot more players within ten percent of the Tiger Woods we used to know. You know, as opposed to when Tiger Woods was on it, there was nobody there to challenge him. That's it. I I still think if he was to get to the level he was at he will start walking away with it's hard to see him doing that now a few injuries he's getting older yeah, but that's a lot of these players he's, he's competing against are, he inspired them to be oh, yeah. great golfers yeah, which these is young incredible they would have grown up watching Tiger Woods well, that original Nike ad was like I'm Tiger Woods yeah everyone wanted to be that was it like I mean he like, you he, he took golf to another level on a commercial like hmm. broadcasting level even I mean he made golf entertaining you listen to there was an interview with Shane Lowry um, after Tiger won the Masters and it was like you know I only got to play with him once and it's like 
it's it's the atmosphere that travels around with him. Like everyone, every golf fan wants to see Tiger Woods play in That's person. That's it. And it's like it's just it the media be, want to see him. Fans, everyone. It must be just like to play with him and play well with him. Like imagine the awe after growing up watching him and then getting to play with him and oh, having, yeah. having to control it, having to control everything and still play golf to that level. It must be one of the most difficult things in the world. Again, again, golf is all, it's a game of, a, of you got to stay relaxed to be able to play it right. Completely. You know. Um, yeah, speaking of Shane Lowry, well, I, we said it already, like one of my moments of the year, um, winning, winning the British Open up in, up in, um, in Northern Ireland. Just, like, what, what a man. Outstanding. I think he's, I think every one of us as Irishmen just kind of like sees him as our, like our brother or our cousin. He's a relatable guy, yeah. isn't he? He's just, you know, you, you want to go for a point with him. Yeah. You know, and genuinely just a nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice lad. Um, that makes everyone, I don't know, it's, it's easier to relate he's to. He's a lovable character. He is, like. You know, and even seeing the, the celebrations back in Clara where like he's holding the, 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 Claret jug above his head, and he's a point in one hand, and it's just that's it. He he could just be one of the lads, like that's all. And even the amount of players that you know were just happy for him, you don't see that on tour in the professional game. Yeah, and I think that that goes to show how like how nice a chap he is. I can't see McIlroy winning a British Open or a Masters and having that many players going go. Oh yeah, I'm delighted for Rory. Even the amount of players that came to watch him get the trophy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he obviously has that respect among other golfers, which is. That's huge for him. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And then again, it opens up so many doors for him and avenues for him for next year. You'd hope he kicks on. Um, speaking of Rory, like it's, what is he, four or five titles now, majors? Um, is it four? I can't remember, four or five. Um, like, do we ever see him winning a Masters? Oh. Do we ever see him? Yeah, do we I, I think he will at some point. It might, like, it might be another five years, could be 10 years, but I think he will. It's it's hard to know what Rory's issue is. Like he can go out one day and shoot sixty three, and he can go out the next day and shoot eighty three. Like, yeah, but I think that's the thing. If he if he's playing for another 10, 15 years, I think one of those years he's going to go out and he's going to shoot his sixty three at the Masters, and he's going to do it a couple of times. Well, he needs to, you know, and, and well, that's it. And there's going to be a mental block. Obviously, we all saw what happened to him the first time he blew that lead. Well, that, and I still, I think, I still think that's affecting. That it has to be. Like if he was to go out and win the Masters next April, like you could see him taking over for five years in all the golf. Potentially, yeah. he seems just been very inconsistent of late, hasn't he? He just whether he need whether getting that monkey off his back will help him mm. just get into that rhythm because he's I a hope, fantastic golfer. I, I hope so for his sake because he's the closest thing to Tiger Woods that any of us have ever yeah, seen that's true. at his best. Um, yeah, like I think we'd all love to see Woods and McElroy both at their best. It was like it's like in, that in some major, even if it's just the two of them on a Sunday of a major, that would be nice to watch. Wasn't it like that last Rocky movie? Wasn't it? Remember where Rocky fought in a like a an exhibition fight against? Oh yeah, a little the, bit. The, the guy that was like fifteen years younger than him, and yeah, whatever. And like that's you want to see McElroy and Woods go toe to toe for five years. That's it. You know, and Shane Lowry pick up an odd one then. Like, it'd be incredible for sport in general, but for golf. Yeah, it'd be great for golf. Brilliant. Um, speaking of Irish performances in the world of sport, let's, uh, let's give a, a word, a congratulatory word to uh, Owen Morgan for winning a World Cup. 
Yeah, fair play to him. He's, as, been, uh, he's been fairly successful as, as English cricket captain. With the enemy, I suppose. Uh, um, yeah, he's he's had a good time. Um, he's struggling with test cricket. Well, he's not really a test cricketer. No. But uh, shorter forms of the game. Great batsman. Good tactician. Good and one. that final was brilliant to watch. Yeah. Was it super over? Super over, yeah. Brilliant. Um, it was incredible. Just like I was, I was laughing last weekend. It was great to see uh, an Irishman pick up the... Uh, Team of the Year award at the at the British Sports Awards. Yeah. Ah, but I mean, how long has he been playing for England? Now it must be a decade. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a, there's been a few over and back, and like you'd like to Ben Joyce played as well, and that it always happens with mm-hmm. um now with Ireland being a Test nation now that's slightly different, and that's that's huge for Irish cricket by the way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it always happens with cricketers from smaller nations they can join Test nations. What's that English team? Like they're taking our cricket players, they're taking our footballers. <laughs> and what's next? But they even I don't know how they even take <laughs> South African cricket players as well, which is really strange. Like so yeah. Kevin Peterson. It's it's probably the residency rule as well, like. Uh, yeah, I know they changed it last year or the year before, so that um Peterson wouldn't have actually qualified if they had changed the rule before he played. Oh, he wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to play for England. There was a good few as well. Jonathan Trott wouldn't have um Andrew Strauss who captained him to two Ashes wins, maybe three. Yeah, and then you none, none of them would have qualified. Yeah, there's 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 a lot more there from other backgrounds that have played for England over the years as well. Yeah. Um, F one another 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 uh, world championship another sport that's been dominated by one individual. Um, yeah. Hamilton wins his sixth world title. Yeah. That's an upset about that, really. I think, isn't it? Pretty much. I don't think any of us were surprised. Yeah. Wouldn't be a big um, fan of watching F one though. Really? I tune in for the results no, but, uh, <laughs> I love it yeah. I don't follow it now but uh, it does be on Sky there and I love it I find oh, it fascinating I'd watch it for like five minutes I'm like oh another no, I find 43 it laps to go I'm going to go up and I'm going to get up and do something else like no it's it's absolutely fascinating to me just everything about it oh, I, like I, I guess what I struggled with was I always found it one of those sports it's really difficult to relate to like you know you could always play hurling or football or soccer you just go out you need a wall or something you can't exactly go out and just <laughs> drive, drive a Formula 1 car drive it 250 like. miles an hour I thought you would have no Joe there's a lot of tactics behind it and things like that it is, like, it is a very tactical it's very game. tactical isn't yeah. it you know it's about like how much fuel you start with and blah 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 and now, now that they've gone and made it so that you can only use a certain amount of fuel over the course you have to start with that going into qualifying yeah. and whatever else yeah interesting it's, it's gotten close over the last couple of years it'll be uh be interesting to see next they, they always kind of tinker with the rules a little bit and stuff and the regulations i think that's in an effort to yeah but i think it's the teams that are chasing hamilton need to kind of come out and just get there sooner rather than later pretty much for ferraris yeah. and your red bulls and whoever yeah. else um, yeah, I watched a brilliant documentary on netflix about one of the formula one seasons and it was just it was brilliant to watch it as well just all about see all the stuff going on, yeah, in the background, on, on behind there's, the there's sensational money in it oh, I'd imagine like, so in order to get a drive with one of those teams you have to bring a certain amount of money with you and we're not talking like thousands we're talking millions and millions and tens of millions you know so what I find fascinating is the pit stops like mm. under two seconds that's insane yeah that's that's since think they, about that's it that's since they took the fuel change out of it it's just the tyres it's the tyres but still yeah, <laughs> that's insane. How long does it take you to change a tire? Like, it depends how long it takes for the guys to get out to change it for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's just um, sensational. That's all. Yeah, American sport. New England win another Super Bowl. Tom Brady's sixth. Yeah. Um, beating the LA Rams this year and 
I have to say as an Atlanta Falcons fan I'm not a fan of I, I can appreciate how good Tom Brady and the Patriots are um, but, given, but given that Atlanta threw away a 25 point lead against yeah Patriots, that was a big shock yeah I cannot um, in in good mind like the Patriots or like Tom Brady anymore that's fair um, wouldn't expect you to I'll tell you it's, it's, it's six Super Bowls though. six Super Bowls yeah and still has a chance of winning the seventh yeah. I don't think he will um, and all hatred aside <laughs> I really don't think he'll win this one um, we'll probably talk about it more in the weeks coming yeah um, but you've got like there's five or six teams the Ravens the 49ers the New Orleans Saints um, Kansas City coming back into it there's, it's a fairly open field yeah for, for a change any yeah. one of those teams could win it and you couldn't really Seattle Seahawks still playing well like, you couldn't really pick one out of it that you could say ah oh, they're definitely going to win Yeah, which is great and uh, everyone's beating everyone so um, that'll be interesting over the next five or six weeks again the Super Bowl is February so lots yeah, to watch yeah only early February yeah lots to watch over Christmas and, and in January so um, we'll probably keep you up to date and maybe even we've spoken about a Super Bowl special so Ooh, I have to read up on my American football <laughs> so we may have one of those to come down the line um, in the NBA uh, Toronto Raptors won their first ever title yeah huge um, Kawhi Leonard yeah Kawhi Leonard really stepped up yeah and then left yeah <laughs> left hero though yeah and you know it's the first first win by a Canadian team ever yeah um, brilliant yeah American sport won by a Canadian team yeah must be a little bit raw with some of them but sure I'd imagine so but I think kind of haven't seen the, the scenes at it mm. and I think the fact that the Warriors have been quite dominant in recent years yeah it's always nice to Every, see everyone's like that. happy to see the Warriors lose what has happened with the Warriors this year injuries all of them like they lost Durant who went to Brooklyn but was injured yeah. anyway so wouldn't be playing it's still a big loss um, Steph Curry is injured Clay Thompson is injured it's like they've, they've, they've tanked their season like they are going to tank their season they're probably going to get a high draft pick next year come back with Curry and Thompson fit yeah, exactly. and a high draft pick and they're, proceed to probably dominate the West again um, I suppose the one thing that everyone's looking at is uh, LeBron's second season in LA with the Lakers and yeah. he's got his help in they, they look dominant yeah not as much at the moment but again him and Anthony Davis are struggling a little bit with injuries niggly little injuries um, Davis has been a, just a, a sensational addition he needed probably needed two everyone reckoned but now he can compete with one with Anthony Davis yeah so it'll be interesting Rondo's been awesome um, it's it's kind of the battle of the LA teams like the Clippers with Kawhi as well. Yes. Um, I was going to ask who you're tipping for the for the championship. Well, that's that's in the West. I mean, like you've got Boston and Milwaukee with with Giannis. It's just yeah, they're the, cleaning the, up. the Greek goddess as they're calling him, the Greek goddess of basketball. He's just incredible. Um, it's yeah, it could be anyone. Again, it's wide open as opposed to other years when you're expecting yeah. Golden State to win. So um, yeah, so that's pretty much the end of our sporting rundown I suppose our awards the sideline cut awards for the year Ooh, are we getting awards or giving awards giving awards oh. <laughs> anyone wants to send us we're some hardly getting an award already do you know um, your player of the year then um, so I'm, I wouldn't be biased here but um, <laughs> no my player of the year has to go to Brendan Maher of uh, Bursley and Tipperary uh, Tory's ACL 
in, in 2018 and came back won an All-Ireland this year um, and then in November he won an All-Star and then he's obviously had his club success this year with a Tipperary and Munster uh, championship wins so he's my uh, my harder or my player of the year uh, Brendan Maher yeah of course we're not being sports specific we're just kind of going across all sports across all sports yeah oh, across all sports he, he, yeah. he'd be mine yeah mine my, my awards here are very uh, football dominated um, <laughs> player of the year I've, I've tried to go with a slightly kind of left field option it would have been easy to pick Messi or Van Dijk or any of the kind of top three or four in the Ballon d'Or but uh, I've gone with Lewandowski just he made my team of the year as well goal machine scoring week in week out insane amounts of goals it's ridiculous so yeah I said I'd give it to him yeah, I've gone. I've gone again for for me for a left field option. I'm going for Conor Callaghan. Um, just that's fair. From from a, a Gaelic football point of view, again, I, I would have put Origi into that bracket purely as another left field option, but just for being a hero and coming up with goals when when they were needed more so than anything oh, else. Brendan Mara, I agree with you. Harder of the year in my mind um, was way more important to that Tip team than than Callaghan on the grand scheme. Like just stood out and again with his Bursley wins and you know All-Star and the whole lot Conor Callan just incredible footballer for his age like just he's going to be there he'll have footballer of the year honours in the next few years as well it's just sensational absolutely sensational yeah um, favourite moment of the year again I don't think we even have to ask you Dylan uh, yeah so uh, yeah my sporting moment of the year is Bursley's club success Uh not being biased or anything now, but uh, it's been a tough, tough, uh, tough year. I suppose eighteen months really in Burs, and uh, just to see the hurlers have that success kind of brought uh, a bit of happiness to the parish, and um, it's been, yeah, that'll be my sport moment of the year. It's it's always nice to see your own win something, isn't it? It's it's kind of it's kind of you're part of it even if you're not, and that's and that's the joys of club hurling and football, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, geez, I would have talked out there with. Uh, Tom Ryan in midfield and the two two cornerbacks uh, Drifter and Foxy so um, well, sorry Seamus Drifter and Foxy I tell you there's there's definitely a full programme on sporting nicknames we'll, we'll do it we'll do it later in the year but Jesus Drifter and Foxy yeah I think we like that it's a lot more relatable like you said yeah. you, you grew up with these lads like you, you know them you probably you could meet them in the shop or anything like that I suppose oh yeah absolutely yeah and you know, it's, it's emotional buying you're, you're involved that's no a part what, of it yeah, like, you know, like oh it yeah like I took photos at the county final and I couldn't take photos at the Munster final because <laughs> I just you know I was so overcome at the county final I was like I'm not going to be able to take nothing at this <laughs> Munster final so. brilliant brilliant Joe um, I don't think there was really any one one moment that could uh, surpass Divock Origi's goal against Barcelona a few honourable mentions would have to go for uh, Vincent Company for that goal against Leicester I hate, hated it <laughs> but brilliant moment for him and uh, Lucas Moore's hat-trick against Ajax in the Champions League semi-final absolutely <laughs> stunning but no Origi the quick corner just yeah yeah. I, I'm using Origi as, as a different answer to a different award uh, my moment of the year I, it came down to two for me and it was either uh, Tips All-Ireland win or Shane Lowry's British Open win and I, I'm for me I sat down and I watched that entire Sunday and to see the emotion, to see everything of, of Shane Lowry, um, just incredible, incredible for, for like 
a small parish like Clara in Offaly um, just to see and, and to see the love that everyone had for Lowry after winning it yeah. so that was my uh, my moment of the year um, my score of the year and again we're calling it score of the year rather than goal of the year or anything else is it had to be Origi versus versus Barcelona and the Trent Alexander quick corner and again probably yeah. I, I put it as my score of the year probably because again I was the first one to see it yeah, <laughs> and it I was, nearly, it was a sheer moment of brilliance. So, yeah, you know, so. and, I, and I nearly lost my life while celebrating against. So, um, yeah, that that be my score of the year. What about yourself, Dylan? Oh, we're talking about celebrating scores. <laughs> uh, but my my pick would be uh, Niall O'Mara's goal versus Kilkenny in the All Ireland final. Uh, three points down, and Niall O'Mara sidestep shot at the twenty-one yard line, and uh, that leveled the game. I think it really kind of sparked tip on. Uh, so that's my score of the year Niall O'Mara goal versus Kilkenny I've gone for uh, Lionel Messi against Real Betis uh, ball is pulled back to him on the edge of the box and we've maybe 10 yards left of goal right on the edge of the box it's coming back to him maybe 7 or 8 players in the box between both teams mm. and he just chips the keeper first time like you're thinking he's going to smash it he's going to cross to the back post like to even think about doing it <laughs> Is ridiculous yeah, to you, actually execute it. You showed it to us the, keep, the keeper wasn't was. even off his line. Yeah, the keeper was like a yard off his line. He was in a perfect position, like he hadn't stepped out, and Messi just it just without thinking, it, without breaking stride, just it just shows the class of Messi. He thinks oh, he's on he, a different. He level. thinks a different. Yeah, like you said, a different level. To like a lot of people saying he shouldn't have won the Ballon d'Or this year. Like, if a different player had the year he had, they'd win the Ballon d'Or. It's that we expect this superhuman level of performance from him. Gary Lineker on Twitter put up a stat yesterday. Messi had scored his 50th goal in a calendar year for the 10th time. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. Like, I think the one time he didn't in his life or in his career was he had 48 early yeah. in his career one of the years. Like, that's an incredible stat. But uh, do you remember before Messi and Ronaldo when a 20 goal a season striker was amazing? That was your, that yeah. was what you went out and you paid your money for. But yeah. no. I mean, we saw then Messi with his, was it 92 goals in 2012? That could be 90-something when he broke Gerd Muller's record. Mm. Like, 90. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's insane. Match of the year. Favourite match that you watched or? Um, for myself, uh, the Borussia Dortmund's final. Um, just the atmosphere. Um it was I went into the stand for this one I suppose for the county final I was on the field taking photos but I was in the stand as with members of my own family and it was just it was unbelievable just to think that they're going to win it and mm. they went on to win it and yeah I suppose that was kind of more of the emotion of the game really more than anything else but yeah that was my favourite match this year mm. I, I per personally it would have probably been had it not been for Liverpool Barcelona it probably would have been the tip all Ireland final win but I, there's nothing can surpass the Liverpool Barcelona game three goals down after the first leg and to win 4-3 and just for, for sheer atmosphere last year like just yeah yeah I I kind of deliberately but realistically that was the best game of yeah. the year but I kind of figured you'd pick it <laughs> so I um, I tried to avoid it uh, I was torn between Liverpool 5 Arsenal 5 in the League Cup just 5 all like madness Divacarigi scoring twice. Um, Shakar. Yeah, look, there's like three <laughs> things in life are guaranteed: death, death, taxes, 
and Divock Origi scoring important goals. <laughs> but what I've gone for is Real Madrid won Ajax 4 at the Bernabeu Champions League last year. Yeah. Obviously, Madrid had won three in a row. Very young Ajax team, and they they made bits of Real Madrid. Dusan Tadic was amazing. He got a goal and two assists, I think. But just an amazing game to watch. Spectacular performance from Ajax. And we, we all thought Ajax were going to make the final then. But... Yeah. for Lucas Moura it's, it's mad when you look at Ajax nowadays and you kind of go well they've got an incredible team how many are they going to lose for next season because there's kind of a feeder team to everyone else yeah but that's just the nature of being in the Dutch league really yeah. you can't hold on to world class players in there yeah. we saw it with Monaco as well a couple of years ago like it, it it's just something that happens now when you have these teams have a brilliant season mm. at least three or four of their key players are going to get picked up by the bigger teams so it's uh, very hard to sustain it our last award a little bit left field and I don't I don't see too many of the awards around but we uh, we put in for our jersey of the year Dylan uh, yeah so. Acro- and this is this is again across all sports yeah um, we've put a few suggestions out there we will put it up on our social media and you guys can tell us whether we're uh, we're right or wrong uh, well I'm right so. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, take I, a wild guess and say yours is either Tipperary or Boris no it's not uh, so my reason actually a bit odd I've gone for the Kerry jersey of 1819 uh, designed by Mr Paul Galvin uh, just thought it was a thing of sheer beauty and another reason that uh, I've picked it is their jersey for this year is horrendous so it definitely, <laughs> it definitely won't be getting my pick next year so yeah Kerry jersey of 1819 1819 yeah 2018-2019 ah now I got you I was, I was thinking alright okay <laughs> I, I thought Paul Galvin had designed a retro jersey I was there going <laughs> Here we go. Um, fair enough, Joe. Your favourite jersey of the year? Um, I was actually torn between two, and they were both of Barcelona's away jerseys for this season. Um, there's the, the blue one with the collar. Yeah. Um, that came second to the yellow one with the diagonal stripe. Yeah. Lovely jersey. Just immaculate. And it's a, it's a throwback to their away jersey from 1974, I want to say. You can see Johan Cruyff wearing it. It's yeah. based on that kit. Lovely. Just old Nike made it perfectly designed. Amazing. Um, yeah, I actually had three jerseys that I was kind of couldn't decide between and they were across three different sports. One of which I'm wearing, which is uh, the tip goalkeeper's jersey from last year. Um, the second one was the Costa Rica third kit. Yeah, you uh, showed it to me earlier. Yes. Yeah, nice. how'd, you, how'd you come across something like that? See, and as we'll probably go through as we go along in this I have 1200 jerseys I have a misspent youth of collecting jerseys and I have a fascination with them and it's just when other people were collecting stamps and stuff I was collecting stupid jerseys so what kids did you hang around with that were collecting oh, stamps God, I don't know. anyway um, and then there was the Argentina uh, second jersey for the World Cup rugby um, there's no point in me trying to describe them we'll just put them up on the social media and people can look at them yeah no yours were nice they showed um, me they lovely so yeah um, predictions for 2020 give me one both of you after you Dylan one uh, I suppose be it off the wall be it completely whatever give me something that's going to happen in 2020 in sport um, do you know what I'm going to go out of field here now and say cycling at the Olympic Games keep an eye out for uh, Rohan Dennis Think he okay. think he could. Uh, That's a very left field one, Dylan. That's the nice. individual time trial, I reckon. Where is, is Rohan Dennis from? 
Oh, Christ knows. I was, I was about to say, tell, tell me Carrie gone sure or something. No. <laughs> Rohan Dennis in indoor cycling. No, the no, road, road time cycling time trial. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That is you are right. That's I feel. We need to put these on the social media so that you know when we when this happens we can look back and go we did this. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, that's at the Olympics. Joseph, your uh, don't say it. No, I can't say it. I can't, <laughs> I can't say it because everything will go wrong. So I'm going to avoid that completely. Um, oh, prediction. I'm going to say Lakers to win the championship. Okay. Just going to avoid. The elephant in the Let, room. Let's not, not, not jinx that. that. <laughs> That's why I didn't say mine either. Um, what yourself? There's, there's, there's bits and pieces there. Um, I do believe, and I normally can't think of it, um, an Irish Six Nations win. Okay. So, a little bit against. Grand Slam? With England and France away. It's a lot to ask for, mm. but I think they'll win the Six Nations. Fair so, enough. So, um, that's it. Right. That's us for today. Um, that is our 2019 sporting review done and dusted on our very first podcast. Um, if you did listen, thank you for listening. And I hope that you will join us again next week and going forward for the next however long we last. Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah. yeah. 2019 was good. Let's hope 2020 is as good. Yeah. Uh, remember to check us out across all social media again on at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram and at the sideline cut on Facebook. You can also email us at sport at the sideline cut.com. Yeah, don't be afraid to send us in anything that you agreed with, disagreed with, something we might have missed or got wrong or just any even interesting sporting stories that you'd like us to mention or talk about yeah we've got some we've got some interesting stuff planned for the next three or four months um, and we'll be looking for your feedback on all of it thanks for listening and goodbye cheers thank you thank you very much <laughs>